Hey guys, it's Bert. I'd like to ask for a small favor. If you plan on buying my book, Life of the Party, then please pre-order it at BertBertBert.com. The pre-order sales are literally the determining factor on how well the book does opening week, and how well it does opening week determines how well the book does overall. Writing this book is one of the proudest achievements of my entire life, and I want to share it with as many people as I can. You pre-ordering it makes that possible. So do me a solid, pull out your credit card, and go to BertBertBert.com and pre-order Life of the Party. Thank you so much. You know I love you. Today's guest, New York Comic First, LA Comic Second, International Superstar Third, host of Eddie Talk Shit, my friend for 15 years, Eddie If. This is the Bertcast. Let's see, now we're recording. This is awesome. I love your man cave. It's, yeah, it's the best thing that ever happened to me, including <laughs> including my family. <laughs> like, if you really kind of quantify it, it it, re- it kind of really is the best thing that happened to me. I remember when I got it. I, I I've, I've said this before, but like the day they're in, they're making it. Okay, I just gone bungee jumping, and I got the. They're making it. They're putting the finishing touches on it, and I got a call. They were canceling Birth Conqueror. <laughs> and I was like, and I was How like, am I gonna pay for this? Oh, no, 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 no. They they DIY built it for me. Oh really? So it was part of like a. It was like a you know a, not a. It was like I did an episode of, the, of Man Caves and they did an episode of Birth Conqueror. So they were filming nice. an episode out here and I got called that the Birth Conqueror's can- canceled. And I was like, you know what? If that's it, then I'm cool. I'm cool. I got a man cave out of this. I got more than I ever expected. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, I'm very good friends with uh, Ty Pennington from. Uh, Extreme Home Makeover, dude, and he was at my house the other night for dinner, and we kind of had a lot to drink. Yeah, and as he's leaving, he's like, "Does my hair look okay, Eddie?" No, he goes, "This room, really good." What are you fucking you do? What are you thinking with this room? This lighting. He's like, it's 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 not soft enough. And over here, there should be a lamp. And he are got you all serious? he went all designer on me. And he's like, do I need to come over here and work on your house? Fuck and I was like, yes. yeah, you do. And then when we were drinking, he goes, y- you and I should buy a house together, and we'll fix up. He goes, a duplex. Christ. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. We should. It's a lot we should do. We should run a train on the chick together. <laughs> Let's fucking take pictures. No, of we're each other we're naked. trying to buy a house right now. And How did you meet Ty Pennington? Um, he was a fan of my podcast. Are you serious? And I got a message from him going, uh, well, from a girl he he knew saying, "Hey, you should have Ty on. He loves the show." Blah blah blah. So I said, "You're full of shit." So she gave me his email. I emailed him, and he goes, "I listen to the show so much, I'd call myself a shithead." Jesus, and, uh, I wish I had fucking a name like that. Oh, uh, we've had we've had really weird fans. Uh, Timothy Robin or Tim Robbins. The, I, I, one the, of our fans the, one day was at the Byron Bay the Blues author? Festival. No, Tim Robbins, the actor. I'm thinking Tom um, Robbins. T- t- <laughs> Tim, uh, a kid at the Byron Bay Blues Festival, <laughs> is listening to a podcast, and Tim Robbins goes, "What do you listen to?" He goes, uh, "This thing called a podcast." He goes, I'm, "And this is like three years ago." And Tim Robbins goes, "Really? I love podcasts." He goes, which one do you listen to? And he goes, uh, the time it was Jim and Eddie talking shit. He goes, Jim and Eddie talking shit? And he goes, oh, yeah, I've heard that one a lot. He goes, uh, I don't like it, though. Those guys are too mean to Jason. <laughs> are you serious? What is, what is going on with Jason? Jason's off the show. Jim's off the show. It's just Eddie talking shit now. <laughs> it's just you. It's just me. It's probably better that way. God. Well, it's be- dude. I'm- it's, it, I, I'm an alpha. Jim's an alpha. You can't have two alphas. You guys were fun together, though. Yeah, we had a lot of great times, but we started to butt heads. Are you serious? Yeah, I, I liked. I'm going to turn this TV off because I don't want to fucking oranges in your backyard. This is amazing. Where the fuck's this man? That my kids come into this place. 
and they fucking wreck it. I've been gone. I've been in Europe for three weeks. This. So I'm like, so I rolled in this morning, and the whole place was was chicked out. <laughs> it was like Monster High dolls. Um, I, I I had fun doing it. Yeah, it's a fun show. I mean, it's still fun. It's crazy. It was a good the way for Jim, did. and this is I don't know. I mean, it was a good way for Jim, and not that he needed to meet American comics, but to get to know American comics. Yeah, he. Uh, the problem is Jim, and I've had this when I did radio. A lot of radio hosts, it's uh, it's an ego thing. It's comics, and he it just needed to be. Jim's the kind of guy like Billy Burr. Bill Burr can sit and talk and just be entertaining by himself. Jim could have done a podcast by himself and it would have been amazing. Yeah. Just be Jim. What's he doing hour. now? He's got a TV show. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, Legit. Yeah. 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 I have it. I have it. Uh, I DVR it. Yeah. I, I, I didn't know it was still going. Yeah. It's, uh, it got a second season. Um, yeah, that's really good. It was good. It's a good show. I did. It's with the, it's with the kid from uh, Road Trip. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, did I love that character. I love that, that character. How come you're not in it? I that, can I tell you that? Oh, oh never yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. Um, it was, uh, I auditioned to play Jim's best friend and roommate and the didn't get older it. guy plays that, right? Yeah, I didn't get it. <laughs> you were his best friend and roommate. How do you, how do you fuck that up? Uh, well, what happened was I didn't even think I was getting an audition and Jim's like, yeah, you're, you're on the list to audition. And all these guys were going in. I was having people call me like Brian Sclero called me. He's like, can I pick your brain? I'm going into audition for Jim. And I was like, oh, fuck, dude. So, so then. Finally, Jim calls me and he goes, come in. And I was like, I'd kind of like it if a casting director called me. So I go in and then Jim tells me, he's like, it's down to you and three other guys. And I look at the other three guys. Every one of them has massive credits. And I go, you're just saying I'm not in this. And my managers are like, you're not in it. You're not in the mix. Yeah. You're not. Don't even go to the callback. <laughs> Barry Cass, your manager. So, You're yeah. not in it. <laughs> hey, man, I was just thinking, um, why would you waste your time? <laughs> why don't you just go try to make the Red Sox? <laughs> uh, so I, I didn't. I was like, maybe I should. And then she was like, no, they really like you. So then I went to the callback and then they're like, it's down to three. It's down to two. It's down to you and another guy. Do you ever know who those guys were? Well, obviously one of, them, they, one of the guys got, got, got it. They booked the guy, they made the pilot, then they recast. So I'm like, when you recast, why didn't I get it then? <laughs> I was second. No. I was in second coming. I was never going to get it. It just wasn't going to They happen. always want to surround comics. They always want to surround us with uh, yeah. like really good actors. Yeah. Like real, 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 real actors. But Jim's a really good actor. I played Jim's personal trainer. in the. I mean, I had an episode that was all about me. And, That's great. Uh, but it, it was fun and it was... You know, I hadn't done any sitcoms before, so it was it was fun to do, and it kind of told me I I don't really want to do a sitcom. <laughs> unless, really? Now, unless it was, uh, I mean, I'd do it for the money. Yes, I'd take the uh-huh. job like that. I'll, or I'd do it if it was like a show about me that I could really write the show and create the show. But otherwise, like, I remember coming home, I told my wife, I go, uh, Wife? Yeah, yeah, I got married. Shut the fuck up. You got God. married? God Are you in the same house? Oh, yeah. Congratulations on Florida State. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, thanks. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. S- same house we're, we're trying to buy right now, which is fucking hell. Are you guys going to have kids? Uh, we're trying that, too, which is fucking hell. <sighs> it's just, it makes it, like, weird. Is she older or young? She's 29. Are you fucking kidding me? You married a 29-year-old? Yeah. That is the smartest move. I, I've known you for a long time. That is the smartest move you've ever made in your entire life. You want to hear where it gets even smarter? She, she, tell me she's rich. Her, 
her her father is a former NFL football player and her mom's a former playmate. Whoa, wait, who's her father? Uh, did you see the movie Invincible? Yeah. He's the best friend, roommate of Vince in the film. Hold on. The, the Knuckles, the guy who tells him how to do the Knuckles. Hold on. The movie with Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson? No, no, Invincible. That was un, unbroken. Unbreakable. Unbreakable. <laughs> I'm thinking of you, unbreakable. You're mixing up your uns. I'm like, God damn it. Wait, who was he in yeah. that? So he played for the Eagles? Yeah, he played for the Eagles for seven years. Shut the fuck yeah. up. Yeah. He's an awesome, the greatest guy in the world. It's like, like my parents are getting old and, and moving on and her parents are in, like he's in his, he's 60. And it's so cool because it's like, I got this new like father figure in my life. Yeah. Who I can go to, and he's the coolest guy in the whole world. So, where did you guys meet? Uh, I met her in Australia. She's American, though, she's right? She's American. She was living over there. She was planned on like living there for the rest of her life. She loved it. This is going to be the most boring podcast in the world, because I feel like I'm actually just catching up with you. Yeah. Are you still doing Australia a lot? Yeah. I guys, our guest is Eddie Ift. <laughs> Sorry. I leave in a month. I really? Go back. She's coming with me. We're going over for a couple months. Where do you go in Australia? I'm doing, uh, I start in Adelaide. I do five weeks in Adelaide. Jesus Christ. I fucking love, I told you I went to Australia, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Australia. It's amazing. It's, it is, it's America's, it is? this is my joke, it's America's hotter younger sister you met at Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's America in the 50s when it was like cool and booming and everything was great before we ruined it. Fuck, it is before so. Before we trashed it. And it's like, you know when you hear about like our forefathers, not our forefathers, but your, your heritage or whatever, you're. Your grand, great-grandparents, when they came over here, they came over for opportunity, and it was a better place, and you could live the American dream. I feel like you can't live the American dream anymore because we fucking trashed this country. It's So you impossible. go to Australia, and you could live the dream. The American dream is dead to 90% <laughs> of the people in this country. Dead. It's, it's dead, and it's, I would say it's dead to 98% of the people in L.A. because the American dream is owning your own house and making your own way in life without a panic that wakes you up every fucking morning. And we're, there's no way. I look at house prices. We're looking, we're looking right now for a two-bedroom house. We wanted three. Two in our neighborhood, $1.4 Oh, you're in Venice, though. Yeah. that you got to get the fuck out of Venice come we, North she, Hollywood. She won't, and, uh, and I surf every day, so i got to be somewhere on the beach, and the beach is expensive everywhere. Do you surf by yourself? Yeah, I surf a lot by myself. Really? Yeah. Don't you get scared? Uh-uh. Really? Statistics. <laughs> do you really believe in statistics? I, yeah, totally. I'm a statistics guy. I, I do the odds. Like, I'm afraid of not wearing a seatbelt. I'm afraid of riding a motorcycle. I'm afraid of smoking. I'm afraid of shit like that that statistically I know. But shark attacks are so... Really? I'm more afraid of breaking my neck. Way more afraid. Dude, I'm afraid of breaking my neck. Uh, we went surfing up in Steamer Lane. Oh, it was a great place. I, I might not surf steamers. You must have surfed it small. <laughs> yeah, because well, I mean, no one's gonna know. But <laughs> <laughs> it was tiny. It was so small. It's a great wave. It was so small. Jason uh, Rapoy Collins was who I was surfing with. Oh, He's wow. a pro surfer. He surfed one wave with his board upside down. <laughs> so <laughs> to put it in perspective, it was. Did so, you do that for the show? Yeah, we did for the show. Yeah. It, was fu- it was the greatest. The greatest thing. This this show is giving me the greatest opportunities because something like I grew up surfing. Surfing in Steamer Lane is like a fucking dream for me, but I would never do it because of locals and because I don't fit in and because I'm afraid I'd get in a fight or you know like get my ass kicked. That's 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 also blown out of proportion completely. In you know, does that happen in Venice at all? I've I've thrown guys out of the water. (laughs) Are you serious? I just did for the first time, and I'm not proud of it. But the guy, I actually I did it down at El Porto. Um, a guy 
I saw him almost kill. Do you know Lachlan Patterson? Yeah, I served Canadian with comedian. Yeah, I yeah, served yeah, with Lachlan. Good a looking lot. dude. Yeah, and he 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 almost killed Lachlan one time. Like just the guy didn't know what he was doing. Yeah, and so then I said, hey. You, Somebody said, hey, you can't drop in like that. Like, there's a code of ethics. And I said, and then I saw him do it again. And then he did it to me. He ran into me. And I said, dude, calm down. Like, you're going you're gonna to hurt somebody, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm paddling back out. I see him coming straight in. He sees me get scared that he's going to hit me. So he jumps off his board, which shoots his board right at oh, me. And it was like slow motion. I saw the board go up in the air, and they just came straight down on my head. And it was one of those like nine-foot logs. People don't understand how heavy they are. <laughs> I mean, it'll knock me out. And I just went, that's it. Get the fuck. Get your shit and get out. You're going to kill somebody. And he was like, I'm sorry. I go, no, no. Get your shit. Get your board. <laughs> go. You're done. You're done. And it, somebody did it to me years ago. They threw me out of the ocean. Yeah. I was like. For how long? For- <laughs> <laughs> Am I on time out? Yeah. When do I and get I, to come back? I said, like, everywhere? Oh, like, someone stole my art supplies. <laughs> the earth is 70% water. Like, do I have to stay out everywhere? And the guy's like, indefinitely. <laughs> indefinitely. <laughs> so, uh, but that's bullshit. Like, if you mind your own business and no it's like anything if you walked into a bar you're not gonna fucking cut between two guys and sit down and be like ah, i got of my fucking way oh yeah i guess bar etiquette and surfing etiquette could be similar yeah same thing yeah it's we we had a dude we went to when we were in australia we had uh we had surfboards and we were out at bondi beach yeah that's where i live when i'm there really yeah that's where oh, i met my wife fucking so beautiful yeah yeah had the greatest day of my life on bondi beach it's incredible. 40th birthday it's incredible. That day we had the waves were small, yeah, uh, but they were ju- we were they were just fuck aroundable, and so we had a surfboard and we were working with the lifeguards and the guy we the guy and girl. Guy and were girl. you working with? There's two lifeguards there. There's the, the full time blues, and then there's the yellow and red. Part yellow and times. red. Yellow and red. They're the volunteers. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I I'll t- tell you a funny story about them, well, but um, tell me that now. Well, I. I have a like I have no profile in America, but I have a bit of a profile in Australia. Like I'm on a lot of TV shows, and I dropped your name so and, fucking much. In Australia, <laughs> it won't no do much. It, it, I dropped your name at the comedy club. <laughs> oh, that'll work. I, but you know what? They they um, I said I was in Australia, and I said I knew you, and then they said I think they knew me from your podcast. Oh, really? Me, knew me from you and Joe's podcast, and well, they were like, yeah, 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 come in. But they were like, we don't, we only have shows like I think they only have shows like Thursday, Friday, yeah, yeah, Saturday, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's they a only, great club, yeah, Amazing. yeah. Amazing. One of the best clubs in the world. In the world, if not my favorite. Uh, I shot my last DVD there. Really? I love the club so much. I did the Opera House, my first DVD, the Sydney Opera House. And then you performed in the Sydney Opera? In the Do they have a couple rooms or they've got three rooms, but I did the the I mean it's I only say that because I assume one room's gotta be like fucking ten thousand people. No one could do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um but uh the second time I was like, I want to do an intimate space, so I did the comedy store. Uh but so I'm in Bondi, and my buddy, one of the guys I surf with, goes, "Hey, you want to do the swim where you swim from North Bondi to South Bondi?" And it's about from the from the Bondi Beach uh, Swim Club, the, the icebergs, yeah, yep. to the icebergs, yeah. yes, yes. And so he goes, "Let's do it." And you're in like ten feet of water, and you just swim across, but you're out. You're like way past the break. Uh, so put this in perspective for everyone that, that first of all, Google a picture of Bondi Beach. It is the most. It is what California wants Wait, to be. Yeah. It's and it's about, but it's a cove. Yeah, it is a cove, and I would say it's about a half mile. I think it might be. It's either a quarter mile. 
across. It's and a, a quarter massive mile back, cove. It's a massive cove. Or a half mile cove. across and half mile back. But he's like, let's swim over. And I was like, yeah, no problem. And I've done triathlons and stuff. So I'm like, I'll do this. Now, they've got a show called Bondi Rescue, which is a TV show, which is very famous in Australia. And they're always uh, – they always are rescue American Japan- comedians. No Japanese tourists. <laughs> it's always Japanese. Japanese tourists. And they make fun of them, and it's like the big joke. It's a, every comedian has a joke about the Japanese tourists getting rescued. Really? And people watch. It. I have a friend that's Japanese that had a a blue bottle jellyfish go down and sting his dick. And he went in. He's like, ah, ah. He couldn't speak English. He's like, ah. And uh, they they had to like help him out. But it's like one of the most downloaded episode ever. But so I'm, my buddy and I are swimming. Long story short, and the red and yellow lifeguards come out on the Zodiac boat. Yeah, and they're like, mate, mate. They're like a fucking blue bottle, and I'm like, er, and they go a bluey, a bluey, and I go, huh? And they're like a bluey, and now everything in the water in Australia can kill you. So I start going, where, what, what, what? And he's like, blue bottle, blue bottle, and I'm like, you guys need to recycle. I don't know. <laughs> and he's like, fucking mate, fucking, and I'm like, what? And he's like jellyfish. Now, all I know is there's a thing called the box Box jellyfish that are fucking deadly. You're dead. You get stung, you're dead. And so I'm thinking fucking box jellyfish. And I'm like, where? He goes, there. And so I start swimming the other way. And he goes, and there. And he goes, and there. And I'm like, what? He's like, Mike, there's a fucking nest of them. And I'm like, fuck. And And he goes, get in the boat. Get in the fucking boat, mate. Get in the fucking. First, he told me to swim in. So I start swimming in. And I said, no, he's getting the fucking boat. And I'm like. So I go to the boat, and he goes, get in the fucking boat, to both of us. And all I think is, I'm going to be on the fucking TV show. They're going to be filming. I'm going to pull up, and I'm just going to be – they're going to make – so everyone's going to make fun of me. It'll be – so I'm like, I'm not getting in the fucking boat. He's like, Mike, get in the fucking boat. And I'm like – Turn the camera Are you off. filming? I go, are you guys filming? He goes, no, we're not fucking filming. Get in the fucking boat, you fucking idiot, you dickhead. And so I climb in the boat, and uh, we uh, we motor in. I get out of the boat, and sure enough, all my friends are on the beach laughing their ass out. They sent them out to get me. Are you fucking serious? Yeah, they weren't filming, but I was like – it was one of the most embarrassing moments because I'm – I like fell out of the boat as it came. Like I'm standing as it hits the shore break, yeah. and I go to jump out of it to look cool, <laughs> and I fall. It was it was brutal. It was, it, but um, but I did get stung by a couple of blue bottles, and they're not that bad. Oh, we had to, we went out on the <clears throat> Great Barrier Reef. We had to wear those those uh, swimsuits. Mm-hmm. It was like all blue. Oh, I've never. Oh, done. it's like they're gloves. You, oh, really? So you wouldn't get stung? Oh, yeah, and they're masks, and oh, it's like geez. it's like takes the fun. Because you were of, there in the summer, then. <clears throat> one of the most. I mean, I can say this now. I think, but one of the most fucking deadly places on the planet. Fuck yeah! Everything they have like seven of the most deadliest snakes. They have saltwater crocs. I mean, you can't. They they're, say they're, they say don't even go on the beach in some places. Don't go on the beach at night. Saltwater crocs are uh, basically looking at an alligator, and that was. That's it's like looking at a guinea pig and a German shepherd. It's yeah, the difference, dude. I remember when I was in high school or college, I was watching one of those things on uh, on saltwater crocs, and they said a saltwater croc just took a dude off the dock. They're <laughs> terrifying. They're so big. They're as big as that couch out there. They they um. I went to Darwin to do a show once, and that's up where they are. And I I said to a guy, "Will you take me to see him?" He's like, "Yeah, I'll take you," but they're fucking scary. And uh, so we went out to see them, and. I just recently read a physics book about like 
the future and the world, and this like great physics guy is predicting the future. He said they've only been recording crocodiles like lifespan in recent history, and they have ones that are hundreds of years old. They don't know if crocodiles have lived forever. Like they might yeah. never die. Like they these they really don't know how old crocodiles are. Yeah, what's gonna kill them? <laughs> They're terrifying. I heard a story one time about these kids in Australia who were jumping off a waterfall and these two girls, the boat was like over here and they jump off and they see a croc. So they go and they stand under the waterfall and the croc is just swimming at them and just like slowly approaching them. And one of the girls decides to try to swim away. And all I can think is, and they didn't find, like, these are like, and then the croc got her and the other girl got away. But like, those those fucking sco- stories terrify me. Yeah, like, I've seen people fuck with alligators on golf courses a million times and fuck with them. You yeah. know, like, grab them by the tail and yeah. hit them. Try with to get them to club. snap. Yeah. You couldn't do that with a crocodile. It would just, it would ju- they're aggressive. Yeah. They're, Wait, can, you, can they fuck with you surfing? Uh, if you would surf up there, which I don't know anyone. Is that, that only does. where they are? But they're right on they're on the beaches in Darwin. Like you can't go on the beaches because the crocodiles are on there. They're saltwater crocodiles. They were saying we rode horses on the beach up in Cairns, uh-huh. and they were saying don't get the horses near the water because crocodiles will come get them. I was like, fuck. oh, that is not how I want to. And my horse wouldn't run. I, I couldn't get my horse to run. And all I could think was, <laughs> you're gonna be the guy. <laughs> I'm gonna be the one that the horse is like, nah. I don't I'm, even know what that is. I have a feeling the horse would run if it's. Uh, I I had the. Everybody talks about the spiders, and I know I know a few people that have been bit um, by. They've got the funnel web. They've got the red back. They've got. Um, there's a bunch of really dangerous ones, but red back I think is the worst. And one night I was going to do. I was in Perth, and I'd never seen a red back, and uh, I'd seen a million spiders. And it was like, ah, it's fucking nothing, mate. Don't worry about that. And I'm going backstage, and they had like you had to go in this like little like John Malkovich kind of. Uh, yeah. Uh, being John Malkovich door. It was, it's amazing that I you didn't uh, that you just said like two words and I knew exactly what the fuck you were yeah, talking. Yeah, a little about. door. I had to go in this little <clears throat> door and I was about to go in to get backstage because I couldn't go through the front and uh, there was a web, a spider web, and I went whoa and I just saw the spider there and I go how about that one and I just heard over and ah it's fucking nothing. This guy goes oh that'll kill you. <laughs> That's fucking insane and uh just this little spider right there he's like that'll kill you and i was like oh we have black widows here in the yeah, valley but they're not bad yeah they are they kill they kill kids and old people okay that's when like, you have two kids so does the flu <laughs> <laughs> so does he <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so does leaving them in cars <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i have a fucking pain in my chest i have a feeling i have an ulcer i thought i had an ulcer a couple weeks ago what's an ulcer feel like you know what mine was i drank i drank this drink called tequila uh, it's a norcal margarita yeah and it's the healthiest drink you can drink what is it it's uh you do like a double shot of tequila over ice put some club soda in and then squeeze a whole lime in that's great and the lime blunts the insulin release so it makes you not store fat oh is this your caveman yeah yeah, yeah. your but, uh but paleo paleo shit. shit but yeah but listen the lime tears my stomach apart that for two weeks i have indigestion if i have like three of those drinks in a night that's three limes boom i'm done i'm going through sriracha like fucking crazy really i'm going through like a bottle of sriracha in a week to try to calm you no just because i can't fucking stop eating this shit 
I put it in. I get what I do is I go. There's a there's a barbecue restaurant across across street. Is sriracha? It's Mexican, like kind of hot. No, no, no. no. I think it? it's I think it's Asian. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's got the green top on it, right? Yeah, it's got the green top and the rooster. Yeah. Um. There's a, I get coleslaw. Like I'll get like a pint, two pints of coleslaw, and just dump sriracha in it. I love coleslaw with sriracha. And that's what you eat to try I to fucking no. I, I'm trying to. I, this Europe tore me up. This fucking European it's trip hard to eat was, over there. It's terrible. Well, it, they're all skinny as shit. I don't fucking get it. They eat small portions. Yeah, I, I'm wolfing down yeah. cheese. We were in Switzerland for a week. Oh, I must have eaten a, ten pounds of fondue. <sighs> do you get do you, do you get sick of travel? Don't you go crazy traveling? I hate it. I don't. I you know it's so funny. You, every trip's the same. Like the do you day have the bef- same crew. Yeah, same crew. It's like eleven oh, so you're people. Good friends. It's like having oh, a that band. Works. That works then. Oh, it's like and we are all the same type of people. How often does the family come with you? Never. Really? Never. They came once. Is to... Is that never going to happen when I have kids? As my my wife comes with me. Oh no, she'll stay here. Oh no. Yeah, you'll be on your own. Oh, well, you no. can do you can do like you can do like what? Will uh... my girlfriend come with me? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> dude. That's what what you need is a sister wife, and then okay. and then you can take her, let them trade out, and then they get to enjoy the fun. They split the fun. We, but her, my wife's parents are good though. I think we'll be able to pawn the kids off onto them. But there's a there's a certain age where you have to be with them, and then once like George and Isla, theoretically, Leanne could have come on this last trip, but Priscilla's hurt our dog, and so Leanne's staying with Priscilla because she can't do fucking anything by herself. Aww. And so um, Leanne was supposed to come to Paris. She was going to come to Switzerland, ski for a couple days, and, and then go to Paris. And then we were going to fly out, but uh, but she stayed with Priscilla. And then I go to Rio in February. In like a couple weeks. Is that Carnival or yeah. it's going on now? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't not going on. I think I'm going to go down to Rio. My One of my best friends from Australia is Brazilian. And uh, I think and he's he lives in this place called Santa Catarina. And he's the guy I surf with every day there. And I think we're going to go down for like World Cup or for the Olympics or something. Cause World, Cup, World Cup would be fun as fuck. Yeah. I want to go to a soccer match down there. We're going, yeah, we're going to Rio and then to Costa Rica. We're going to nice. surf in Costa Rica. Yeah, I'm excited great. about that. But I'm, you're right. I'm more afraid of breaking my neck than I am sharks these days. You should days. be. Way more. Yeah. That, that happens way more often than just don't ride waves all the way into the into, – and just surf at higher tides and no, just know I'm where you are. such a pussy know when I surf. Are. Know where you are. Like no. How deep it? Like I always walk my board out. Like guys paddle out. I mean, I always walk to kind of get a concept of like the shore break. How how deep I'm going to be. So when I fall, I'm smart. I just I always try to fall smart. Always try to fall smart. A starfish. Yeah, you should. I always starfish, and then I I just surfed in the Maldives. I went to the Maldives, and uh, it was wait. I don't even know where the fucking Maldives are, and I work on Travel Channel. It's off the coast of India, and. Um, it, what were you doing there? I went on my honeymoon to the Maldives, but weirdly, like 10 days before I went there, I was in India doing shows. I went to India to do a whole bunch of shows, and then my wife goes – when I booked India, I was like, I'm not going. My agent called me. He's like, they want you in India, and I'm like, I don't, I don't want to go to India. And he goes, what amount of money would you go for? So I told him, and he goes, you're going to India. <laughs> and so I told my wife, I'm like, I'm still not going. She the goes, catch is it's in rupees. She goes, <laughs> she goes you're – she goes, you're going, and I'm going with you. So I call back. I go, oh, I need another first-class ticket. And they're like, you got it. I was like, shut up. I need five. Yeah. <laughs> so we're bringing no, the man. band. I went. They also booked Gabriel Igle- Iglesias and uh, 
Who's the other comic they booked? But Gabriel brought like an entourage of like 10 people. I'm like, fuck, I should have brought all my friends. Wait, who is it? Wait, start from scratch. I want to hear this. I love good tour stories. Uh, like, it's, it's, it's part of the thing as comics you almost get like jealous of because you're like, I wanted to, wish I could have done that. Like, I see Rogan with Tom uh, See, I'm with jealous Tom of everyone Segura. like you that has a TV show because I, I went that route of touring all over the world. Like, I've done comedy in, I have coming up, I have Malaysia, uh, Bali, Jakarta, uh, Singapore. Vietnam, Cambodia, I'm doing gigs in all these places and I've got Sweden, Norway, all of those. Holy shit. And it's because I've gotten known as this guy that is adaptable, that I'm able to and they go, who can do this? Oh, Eddie if can do it. Tom Rhodes is one of those guys. Yeah, Tom Rhodes, he's always yeah. Tom Rhodes uh, tweeted last night I'm in Paris doing a show. I was like I was in Paris like yesterday. Did you see him uh, riding the slide down the, the Great Wall? No, there's a there's a one of those like alpine slides at the Great Wall, oh, and he really? and Des Bishop were riding down it. How do I know Des Bishop? Black I, dude, American guy lives in Ireland. Does comedy? Uh, can do comedy in Gaelic. He's living in China now, learning Mandarin, and going to do comedy in Mandarin. See, <clears throat> I always did. <clears throat> I'm saying this. This is well. This will be the this will be the topic of discussion. I never. I did one international show, and it was fun as fuck. But I felt like it was. You could pick it up easily. No, 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 you, you no, no. I did. Well I did fine. People. I did fine. I just felt like I was treading water, like like professionally. Like oh, there you was are. No, there's nothing you for me are. in South Africa. You absolutely are, it, with the exception of you look at like the flight of the Concords and guys like that. That everything's. And I'm seeing it more and more and more. In India, I made the joke on stage. I said, like, I thought I was going to go over and just struggle. Str- I'm like, they're never going to get me. Yeah. When they picked me up at the airport, it was like these awkward conversations and then they just dumped me at my hotel. Yeah. Like they drove me and they're like, and I, I mean, they took care of us like five star everything. And I was just terrified of India because I had to get shots for fucking everything. And I, when I went on stage, I said, uh, so I've never uh, met any of you. There are like thousands of people, like 5,000 a night. I said, so I've never met any of you, but I think I've talked to most of you on the phone <laughs> and no laugh. And I'm like, okay, they don't, they don't get me. Yeah. And then I like had to go into one of my bits and they got it perfectly. And then I said, you come back around. You're like, hold on. How come you guys didn't get the first so, thing? Yeah. So I'm thinking, why didn't they get that? So in the second, so then I said, Hey, looking out at the audience, this looks like every Ivy league school in America thinking, ha ha ha. Cause they're all Indian, you know, yeah. all the Indi- no laugh. So then I go back to one of my bits. They laugh, and I'm like, why do they like all my bits, but they don't like these ad-lib funny things? And I usually get the massive laughs when they're like, hey, he's relating to us. Yeah. A, they didn't like the joke about the, the, the call center joke work call because center. the people there were upper class and do not work at call centers. Oh, that's like, oh, that's, Then that I start sense. talking to them. And like after the show, when we're doing the signings, they're like, oh, yeah, I went to Princeton. He went to Harvard. He went to Dartmouth. She went to, you know, University of Chicago. And I'm like, oh, so you guys all um, did go to Ivy League Yeah, schools. you guys really went to Ivy League And they're schools. like, yeah, all of us. And uh, they're like, your school system, shit. Your universities are great. Uh-uh. And they're like, when we come, we're like four years ahead of you. So I should send my kids there for middle school. They're so much like. Uh, one guy I said to uh, it was before Homeland came out, and I'm like, somebody just gave me a copy of Homeland, and it doesn't come out for another three weeks. And the guy's like, we've all seen it. <laughs> so wait, so wait, so so you get like, like I did South Africa, and the accommodations were great. 
The people were great. Oh, that festival's amazing. Was that Sam Hendricks Festival? Sa- yeah, Sam. Yeah, yeah. God, yeah I've done it. I keep three fucking times. forgetting his name. Yeah. I did it, but then I was like, and then I got home. I was gone for a month, and I was like, oh, I just did nothing. Like, I didn't build a no, fan base. No, you did nothing. Yeah. You just have fun. And I just you- had fun, and I hung out with that. There was an Australian comedian, Carl. Carl Barron. Carl Barron. Yeah, yeah, Carl's and, great. And Carl, but Carl had built a fan base up in South Africa. Carl's bigger. And was touring doing south africa and i was like that's the ticket like if you can do what pablo does in sweden right. or whatever yep that's great i don't want to be flip you know i love you but i'm using you as an example i don't want to be flip schultz going to sweden to, to try to build a fan base in sweden right and well it's funny enough yeah, and i'll tell you how that works my agent flip you know i love you agent, if you listen to this my agent i'm using the, you as an example because eddie and i both know what we're talking about my agent's the greatest this. agent in the world from australia okay and he is Carl's agent. Well, you... Now, wait. You've actually built a fan base in, in Australia. Australia. My agent said to me... How many years have you been doing Australia? Seven. And it took all fucking seven or eight years to build what I have. God damn it. I'm fucking been doing... I'm trying to think what club I've been doing for seven years. It takes forever. And I've, I've finally built a good audience that I can play, you know, 500,000 seats a night. Jesus. But, I've been doing the Dayton Funny Bone for probably seven years. I don't... I can't. I'm still kidding. It's weird. I'm, I'm, I'm selling out Thursday. It's so hard in America. I'm selling out Fridays and Saturdays. The, the clubs hold us down. They, they, <clears throat> they book 50 different comics a year rather than let one come in twice a year and actually... They don't want you to build. They want to hold you down. Yeah. The only way... I think the trade-out for the clubs... Here's my, here's my opinion. I had this conversation with... Uh, with... Uh, Christina Bajinski. The trade-off for the clubs is they have a built-in fan base. So you, you don't want the built-in fan base, though, because that fan base is never going to be your fan base. That's you being lazy and going to the club and just going, I want to collect my pay and do the shows and get out of here. Yeah, but you do, you do kind of accrue people. Not really. Not if you went out and did... Because I know the difference between doing promoted shows in Australia to the club shows, and I've seen it with Arge Barker. I've seen it with me. It's a waste. of You'll never really... You need money to get a fan base. You have to spend money on marketing and promotions to get a fan base. My promoters spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on me in Australia, and that's why I have a following. In America, nobody spends a dime on me. The club spends money on them, on getting people into the club. They're not spending money on me. Yeah, they're not. I mean, <clears throat> the, the promotion they do for us is just typical promotion. Like, I got your morning radio. And but, some guy wrote a thing of, about you're you. You're competing with a thousand other guys that went on the week before you, the week, the next week. It's like it is kind of fucking. It's like when you do. If you have industry coming to see you, what's better to be on a showcase show or them coming to your one man show? Oh, I'd rather them see me. Have me see an hour. Have them see me. You know what I mean. Do it's an same hour. with an audience. Why do you want to? Why wouldn't you have an audience come to like a club where it's exclusive? With I'd rather perform in a little place where a hundred people are coming to see me than that all came to see me. Than 350 who sort of don't really know who I am. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would rather, I just got to the point where I was like, wow, it's such a different show when it's a special event and they're not comping fucking 100 tickets. I don't want them to comp tickets. Those people are never going to come back to see you again. No, they're, they're just they're there because it's something to do yep. on Saturday night. You're not going to turn that person. Yeah, they're never going to tweet you or find the, you don't But there them. is nowadays with podcasts, is, is, it, is there an argument to be said because. Like I want people to I, when you're selling when you have a product to sell other you, than your where stand-up. you are right now how good you are and how how big you're <gasps> you've got a TV show and you got a great podcast and you should be going in and just doing a Thursday night or a Wednesday night and do one night yeah I can't you can't make a living off doing one night though but you the next time you go in it's going to be two and the next time you go three and the next week it'll be the whole club yeah 
And you just said I did Dayton seven seven times. Three times you'd be selling out Dayton. I'll sell out. I'll sell, sell out to, right now if Doc's listening to this. Going, hold on, you don't sell out. You get sell out bonuses, but you don't yeah, sell yeah, out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I get this. Um, <laughs> Doc's like, you're not selling out, big guy. <laughs> um, I, in fact, I think I bonused in Dayton, and I was. Uh, or maybe it was Cincinnati. I forget. But- Dayton, you don't do much radio. It's not much press, but they've got a good built-in fan base yeah. that they remember you if you come back, I think. Dayton's an interesting club. Columbus is an interesting club because Columbus radio really does work. Yeah. I, I, oh, I've never done Columbus. Are you serious? No. Um, oh, I fucking I, love And more Columbus. and more, I just don't. I want to go to like, I want to go to San Francisco, New York, Sydney. You know, I like picking them, picking and choosing. And, um, I, you know, like my schedule... I like ski resorts. I like places I can surf. God, it's going to change when you have kids. I know. You, you don't tell me this, dude. Because I, it's like I don't. I have a. I have a. Like I look at it now. Like it's just not like when I was younger. I would go and I'd be like, "Oh, this is going to be a fucking blast." I'm going to spend an extra couple of days in New York. Yeah. Fucking hang out with some friends. Go out partying. Now you're on the plane right back. The fucking six a.m. flight. Yeah. Well, I kind of do that now because I hate being away from home. So yeah. I, I, I'll fly in at the last possible minute and then i fly out at the the clubs hate me because i'm like when's the last show saturday night okay can i be on the i'm on the 5 a.m <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm on the fucking 5 a.m out of syracuse i'm yeah, going to yeah. syracuse I soon. Am. i'm out as fast as possible to get back here because i can get back at 9 a.m and jump in the water and go surfing or i could oh yeah and you're like fucking 20 minutes from the ocean yeah um <clears throat> so wait let's talk let's i feel like 20 i'm i can i run in the water in two minutes from my house are you serious yeah, yeah. you're really close to the water yeah, though yeah. yeah but it's sketchy around your place at night no i start oh around night yeah but it's venice is like the hipster fucking place of the world now gq magazine called it the coolest abakini called it the coolest street in america and it's gentrified google moved in it's fucking, i love it's, it's i love that there's a great uh company called mistress that is right around you guys. I worked for them for Red Bull. and But I love that whole fucking scene. I love it it's, down there. It's amazing. I always thought I'd end up down there, you know? It's like, too expensive, though. It's so... Like, a, like your, your house would be like $5 million. I mean, it's so expensive. Yeah. it's This right here, your man cave, would be... To rent this would cost at least 1200 a month. That's at fucking l- ridiculous. More. More. fifteen. No, what am I saying? Like I have a two- your place is fucking awesome though, but it's like I we have been looking to buy a house now. We're on like our second year of looking because it's so <laughs> hard. So wait, I'm gonna. I feel like all I'm doing with you is catching up, and I feel like anyone listening is like, yeah, I don't know that all the <laughs> shit you guys know. So wait, two, okay, two questions. Number one, uh, tell me about the tour in the Maldives. It's you. No, the Maldives was my honeymoon. Okay. Which the, if you ever want to go to heaven, when you go to heaven, when you die and go to heaven, you're going to go to the Maldives. I'm so glad you said that. It's, it's the most amazing. I never for a second thought, you know, what, you know what I could really use right now? Or you know what I'd like more of? Or you know what would be better? That never occurred to me. Sweet. How much does it cost to fly? The, where do you fly to the Maldives? 36 you... hours of flying to Okay. Get there. You just lost... 90% of the people listening to this. It lost me. I wanted to stab my wife. 36 yeah, hours. You fly from fun. LA to most people London. Would go, most people would go to London or to Dubai and then down to the Maldives. We went the other way because we had to go to Japan to visit a friend of mine. So we went to Japan. Then we went to Singapore. Singapore to Mali, this island off the coast of India. 
It's it's way off the coast of India. It's like in the middle of the I'm ocean. I'm trying to look it up on my phone. You won't even find it almost. Are you uh, serious? It's so hard to find. Then from Mali, we took another plane to this little airport, and then we took a boat. To oh, I just looked it up. It's just all blue. Yeah. It's all blue. <laughs> Type in Maldives in your phone. It's all fucking blue. Yeah. Maldives. 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 Holy shit. Okay, I know it's like 33 hours South Africa. Or, th- or yeah, it's like it's like 30 hours South Africa. So you got to fly. Jesus Christ, that's a fucking flight. But apparently if you like live in Germany or something, it's like a seven-hour flight. I was that's like, doable. I want to go, go live there. I can live in Germany in a heartbeat. So it's you... And my wife, that was just the most. But here's what happened. We had our honeymoon booked. And yeah. it was like, I was so mad about the flying. I was like, why are you going to make, you know, I hate flying and you're taking me to the work. It was all her idea. She's like, I've always wanted to go here. So I was like, fuck. Up. And then they call me and they're like, we need you in India. So I go, India, it was like a 20, 28 hour flight, like 22 and then in six or something. They go. Yeah, India, we went Hong Kong, and then I forget. But I go, so we'll go to India, and then we'll just jump on a plane. Like, an hour later, we'll be in, like, the Maldives. Yeah. And she's like, no, I have to get back. Because my wife doesn't travel, and she doesn't understand how she horrendous it is. Yeah. And she doesn't she doesn't get, but she doesn't have to travel for work. Oh, she doesn't, yeah. She doesn't, yeah. And it's fun for her. It's fun for people that don't travel. I'm like, you don't understand the nightmare <laughs> yes. that you're putting me through. And I used to have panic attacks really badly. I and- still, I, I flew, uh, I think it was like uh, 20 some hours, 18 hours, 20 hours from Paris back to LA. 18 hours. How and, Xanax? Uh, none. No Xanax. Uh, no Xanax maybe, let's say, let's ballpark it at 10 beers total. Really? Yeah, that helps you? Yeah, yeah. But, well, it started fucking fucking with me on my flight from chicago to la does the beer help it uh, i just i was just done drinking beer i was like i can't have any more fucking beer i'm not not drunk i just felt bloated yeah and i and i started having panic and i was like motherfucker i've been flying so much and i haven't had any panic in a long time but yeah so um so wait so you had to come back so i had to come back and we were home for like a week and then go back fuck that so wait, how do you get the how does how do you get put on like I can't even imagine there's a promoter in India that knows about us that can sell what, tickets. What I said to the promoters, I said, well, Comedy Central India, there's a TV channel there. Okay, that makes sense. They brought us over, and when the promoters got me there, I said, like, who recommended me? And they went, we found you on YouTube, and I was like, you found me because I've never had anything like that where somebody like found me in every other situation somebody pushed me or something yeah like they're like we found you on youtube now i wonder if they looked at a thing of like maybe like a gala from one of the festivals i did and i bet something like yeah that. i bet your name got submitted with a yeah. bunch of names on youtube but from some promoter in europe my agent, or, yeah. you know agents will always take credit for it. oh yeah i did but my agents that's like, what i got you he was like they called me out of the blue really and my agent uh I didn't know he was married to an Indian woman. And I'm like, India, I'm not going to fucking India. I don't want to fucking go there. With the- <laughs> and he's like, why? I'm like, it's full of Indians. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love Indian food. I ended up, I really enjoyed India. Um, there's a lot of great stuff about, but it's a lot of real shit. I mean, I can only imagine. I watched a kid, I, I I watched, I watched a kid taking a shit on the street and a dog eating it out of his ass. Yeah. 
<laughs> Only you see stuff like that. No, everyone saw it. <laughs> You're the one that talked to me, showed me, I, the, which I still have a visual of is uh, urethra fingering. Oh, yeah, cock fingering. <clears throat> it's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my well, entire I can life. I it now. Wait, who's on your podcast now? Okay, let's go back. I'm trying to focus. Who's on your podcast now? Jim left the show when he got his TV show. Jason stayed around for a while until we just abused him too much and yeah. fucking. Snapped. What's he doing now? For those of you that don't know, uh, there's there's not one person listening to this podcast that I guarantee you doesn't isn't a subscriber to your podcast. It's uh, he's um Jason was the homeless guy that lived on my couch that Jim and I took in and tried to make him a tried to give him a better life like tried to help him out but he refused to take our help so we made his life worse. He was he was the most difficult part of the podcast. When I was there. Yeah, people, a lot of guys don't like him. A lot of comics. No, I liked him. I liked him. I just, it was just, he was like, he was what we used to call him like television and like hosted. He was like the air brakes of comedy for me because mm-hmm. you'd be talking about something fun and interesting. And with you and Jim, you didn't have to be funny. You could be just interesting and it would be like a great conversation. And then Jason would be like, I farted in a pillow one time. Yeah, he'd interrupt a lot. And I would tell him, I was like, I'm not don't, shitting on Jason. Jason, if you're listening, you're a very nice guy, but I doubt. I would say don't interrupt. Let us bring you in. You have, like, when we ask you a question, we know it's going to be a funny answer. Yeah. So, you know, Jason, what's your philosophy on the God particle or something? And he'd have some, and then we can make fun of him. So he was kind of like, you know, when you when you stall, like you and I won't stall. We could talk for seven hours. But yeah. sometimes you're with somebody you don't click with, and there's that moment of, what are we going to talk about now? You could just go to Jason and say, have you talked to your ex-wife? And there'd be a he funny... He was married? Yeah. That's how I found him. His wife left him for... His wife was a lesbian, but left him for a dude. Holy shit. Yeah. Do you know who the funniest person that... You, your podcast with Gene Pompa is one of the funniest... Are some of the funniest podcasts Gene Pompa I've ever is to. the funniest guy alive. Gene Pompa is one of the funniest fucking human beings I've ever been around. And he's not funny. Sometimes he's not funny. Like, he's not trying to be funny. He's just so naturally funny. Last night I said, come over. We had a guy cater the podcast. Like, one of the fans paid to have, like, oh, wow. a taco truck come. Yeah, your that. fans are active as fuck. Crazy. So I said... Gene. Remind me, I want to do your podcast when my book comes out. Because I want to fucking... All right. Your I fans see. are the kind of people that will actually make When's something go viral. Out? Uh, May 20... Okay, I'll be back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have... Yeah. Yeah. Gene, I texted him. I said, hey, come over. We've got... My fans will too. I'm not shitting on my fans. I'm just saying, uh, Eddie, this is... So just Eddie's fans, Eddie's fans for his podcast are you guys too, I'm sure, but... Probably the same people. Probably the exact same people. they always ask for you. But they are... I remember you guys introduced um, something to me called Google bombing. Yeah. And it's where you get people to type in something into the Google search so much that when you start typing someone's name, that comes up. Yeah, it said Eddie Ift has AIDS for, Eddie for like <laughs> three years. That is one of the funniest fucking things. Is your podcast numbers... Are you on Libsyn? Uh, we are on Libsyn, and our numbers are good. They're really are they, no, good. no. Are they good in Australia? Do you ever look yeah, at that? Yeah, we do. Uh, America's number one. Britain's number two. Yeah, Australia's Britain's number... number three, and Canada's number four. I think I'm, I'm America, Australia. No, I think I'm America, Canada, Australia, Britain. Rogan has got a lot in Australia, a lot of fans in Australia. I have a lot in Canada. So you you would probably pick up a lot because you did the machine story first on Rogan, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, I did it on. Yeah, yeah. I mean that. Like, do you think in your career anything has blown you up like that story? No, that was the biggest. That was the biggest. And it was. It, did I, you have any idea that was going to happen? You had no idea. No, 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 no. At all. I, I did. I did. I did. 
uh, I was, this is going to sound really fucking cheesy, but I'm sure I can say it to you, but I'm saying it to everybody. I can say it to you, so I'm saying it to you, and I know everyone's going to hear it. Like, I was a big fan of Rogan's podcast before I even knew Joe. Knew Joe. Yeah. Like, I was, it was the first podcast that I listened to that I went, oh, fuck. Yeah. I remember, I you know how, you know how I found it? Uh, Georgia clicked on it. It was on my computer, on Twitter, and it was on our old apartment. This is right, this is the very beginning of podcasting as we know it for a big podcast. I'd done podcasts before, but like no one, and Rogan and Tom Segura was on it, and Georgia saw something with Tom Segura's face on it. She must have been fucking five, six, four, and she clicked on it, maybe older, clicked on it, and it came up. The Ustream came up, and it was back when they used to have stars in their Ustream, like st- like yeah. snowflakes in their Ustream. And I went over. I go, Georgia, what did you do? And she was like, I don't know. I have no idea, Daddy. And I looked, and it was Rogan and Tom, but they were like reading viewer mail. Like they were just reading things and then answering them. They weren't like really necessarily talking to each other. And I went, well, what the fuck are they doing? And I watched it, and I was like, oh, that's fucking cool. And then I, and then I downloaded a couple. And I started listening to him on the road. I think I just started doing maybe Birth the Conqueror or I started doing – I forget, but I started listening to him on the road. And I became a big fan of the podcast. And just randomly one day he called me and said, hey, I'd love for you to do the podcast. And I literally showed up to his house. I sw- Is that where you told the machine story? I, I – at his house. Like I showed up to his house and I went I went up to – I was – this is – Coolest house knowing him, Knowing him now that I, the way I know him, I would have never fucking done this. But I just went up and I went, Joe – I apologize. I'm going to geek out real quick before we start this podcast. I need I need a tour. He was like, "What?" I was like, "I want to see the deprivation tank. I want to see your dogs. I want to see the pool table. I want to see like <laughs> I need to see it all just real quick, and then we can start the podcast." And he, I, I did not understand how not that kind of. I mean, he is that kind yeah, of person because he yeah. would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, but he just was like, uh, he's, "He's not a famous person. He he's not. He does not act like a famous person. He didn't want to." Oh, and I was like, "I need to see the garage." So. We yeah. went around. And he, he gave me the tour. He gave me the tour. I think maybe first or second. He said, "Do you want to see the Depper?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I want to see it all." Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I did a tour, and then we went in, did the podcast, and I didn't. Um, I didn't. I don't understand. think he understands how cool that is to us because Joe's the kind of guy he thinks everybody's on his level because he'll talk to me about cars and you know he has all those different kind of muscle cars and everything. When I buy a car, it's my car. That's the car. Yeah. The one car that I own, you know, my wife has, a, and I like we'll buy nice cars and stuff, but I can't buy, and and like he pulled in this Porsche one day, and he's got this like amazing Porsche, and I was like, oh, I'd love to get one of these. He's like, so get it. I'm like, well, that would require a hundred and twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> I'm gonna work on a house first. <laughs> no, I did. I literally got the tour of his house, and, uh, and then went back, and uh, and went back to the room and. Brian showed up and I was like, I knew Brian a little bit, but I didn't know the Brian the way I know him now. Yeah. And uh, and then we did the podcast and I was like, at the very end, I was like, remind remind me to tell you the time, just randomly, like I told a good story. Oh, I told the Tracy Morgan story. Yeah. And and then which uh, created all the which fucking. <laughs> I'm glad I did. I'm. It's the. Yeah. I'm that. That was such. He was. He's. I say this. Joe has been a really good friend to me, and getting all that straightened out in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm very, I'm very pleased. At least where I am today. Yeah. I that time I told the Tracy Morgan story, and then I said, "Oh, remind me to tell you the time when I got involved with the Russian mafia." And he was like, "What?" And I was like, "I'll tell you next time." Because he was like, "We should come back." So the next time I came back, I told it. I really didn't think. I didn't think it was going to do that big. I don't know how randomly I saw it, 
But I, I think I emailed you or messaged you right after I saw it because tears were coming, like streaming down my face. And how often do you have that happen to you? Like, like we're comedy connoisseurs. Yeah. So when I just started, and because it also, because I've known you for so long and I can picture you getting yourself in this situation, <laughs> but just going with it. Yeah. And, and so I'm, I'm able to picture you doing it. And, and that's why it was so much funnier to me. And I'm just laughing and I'm like. This is, and I'm like, why have I never heard this? Because you know, you have like your five funny stories in your life, yeah. and you lead with the best one. And I'm like, why have I never heard this story from Bert? Like, does I, he not know? Did he just figure out that this is funny? I had told it. I had told it a few times. I told it like I told it at DVE one time uh-huh, in Pittsburgh. I, in Pittsburgh, I had told it in um, at at uh, Elliot in the morning. It was probably the first time I ever told it. Maybe I think either Elliot or DB or no 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 uh, on Loveline. I told it the first mm. time I ever told it was on Loveline, and I had told it. DC Benny and I had a storytelling room. At, I remember I did it. Yeah yeah. I, I told a story that I think is one of the funniest sto- stories in the world at DC's storytelling room, and it was so uncomfortable to tell for some reason. You'd get that fucking room was so crazy because you'd have a great story and the. And there were, and and this, by the way, and I would say, when me and you started, we were like, our, the goal was to be a really great joke writer, right? Like storytelling was not popular. Yeah. Tony Woods did it yeah. very well, but One like, the best. yeah. But me and you were like, our goal was to be great joke writers. And then we did. I remember doing that in room, and the art of storytelling wasn't really out there the way it is now. I still have trouble telling stories. Like I do Ari Shafir's storytelling. Well, I probably fucked up. He had the night. It was all about bullying. Yeah. And everybody was telling how they got bullied in high school. And I got on and told how I bullied. <laughs> Why? That's see. That is that. That's the way my brain works too. Is uh, I couldn't stop. I yeah. kept talking about all the. I all fucking these tortured this kid. Yeah. It was fun. You feel powerful. <laughs> like you're fucking holding his head in the toilet. Like suck it, eat a shit, and turn. And I was doing that, and the whole room was looking at me like, "You're the devil. Yeah. You're the guy. You're the guy that did this to us." I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> the, the, I bordered on sexual assault with these kids. Like, <laughs> 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 and and like I think Ari questioned. He's like, "Did you feel any remorse?" I'm like, "For what?" Everyone was laughing. For what? I was <laughs> killing, man. I was killing these kids. I'm sure I helped them form, you know, great dot coms. I when I did when I told that machine story, I remember telling it on there very casual on Rogan's, and I got done. And he was like, "You need to tell it every time I go on stage." I was like, "Oh, it's not." I remember saying, "It's not a stage story." So I told it in the DC you room. Now tell it on stage, or the I crowd tell cheer? it every. Yeah, you have to. I've told it every single time for two years. I've been on stage. So you hate it now? No, I don't hate it because I don't hate it at all because it's like you know it's part it's it's part of who. I am. It's you know. It's like people bring their friends to hear this story, and they right. saw it online, and they want to hear me tell it live. And and it's and and I still enjoy it. And I and I fuck around with the story. Like I'll weave in and out and find a new detail that I'll I'll kind of explore or kind of try to milk or 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 try to write jokes about different. I, I had a story parts. like that about when I fisted a girl, and uh, <laughs> and no, I'm not joking. And I've I've. <laughs> I have to turn over so much. I, it was unintentional, but I have the to fisting turn, or the story. The fisting. I have to turn over so much material now. I couldn't even tell the story now if I had to. I forget them and I forget where all the beats are and all oh, the. Laughs. I haven't done stand up in like I don't know in probably like I want to say two months. I have to do a new hour every year, so the like I'm all I do is work on all the shit, so all the shit goes out. And when you don't do it for a while, I totally forget it. Like if you said I'll give you a thousand dollars if you can tell the story, I'd be like I I, I couldn't do it. I tried to, to, to I tried to do I tried to do 
I think I was, I don't, maybe I was on a podcast or maybe I was doing radio or I forget what it was, but I tried to do my first eight minutes that oh I submitted God. to Will Smith. Like I tried, I remember like, I remember like my first joke was about the real world. And that was like how all the people in the real world were five, six white people and one black person. I'd love to see it. Six black dudes and one that. white chick. I think I remember that. Yeah. Joke. And just see her open the door. Uh, Rachel, this is Ray Ray. My name is Lavernius. <laughs> right here in the wheelchair with the pacifier, that's Quate. Welcome, welcome the, to I the real world, joke. bitch. We turned your room into a studio. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Uh, no, but the story I told in that storytelling room that bombed, to me, it's not even my story. It's a retelling of my dad's story. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you have a story that no one has, and it's been handed down, and I guess that's what's happened in history. So I didn't experience any of it, but I sort of have through like connection and life. And so I've retold the story from my dad and my dad doesn't understand what's so funny about it. Like my dad tells it matter of factly where I see the comedy in it. Yeah. And I've told the story, but I, I really can't tell. And I'm also afraid it's so like slanderous, but it's. It's almost like the guys involved have gotten so old that it's okay that I can tell it. Yeah. But I'm afraid that the story is like if I got it out there, it's one of those things that like people like I'd have like phone calls from agents and stuff going, oh. you can't tell that story. Oh, I, I did in my book. I didn't even I just wrote it. I didn't realize that I didn't realize it would get I mean, I realized it was getting published, but I didn't realize that like everyone Everyone's could getting, read it. Yeah. And I like Same with these podcasts. Everyone can what we say so I I used to talk shit about everyone and and then I didn't realize how many people listen. I had a, I had Jen Kirkman on like last two or probably 3 weeks ago now in real time. And when they everyone hears this, it will I, they will have heard it right now. I released it yesterday mm-hmm. and you'll be on in like 2 weeks. So it was 2 weeks ago for everyone. But I had Jen Kirkman on. Jen Kirkman and I got into podcast beef. We talked about it on the podcast uh, like in fucking 90 in 2004 because i didn't know people listened to them yeah i like i just was just talking shit and and i i I, like i said i said again i didn't think i was saying anything wrong about her i didn't think i was saying anything bad but she heard it as bad and so i'm ultimately guilty of talking shit because that's it's a fucking squirrel they go through (laughs) and take the oranges so um so like and that was like 2004 and then i continued I was just like, was it? Jason Nash's. Oh, Jason Nash. He's like a big writer now. Guys with feelings, yeah. Yeah. He's like huge on Vine. He's got like 600,000 followers on Vine. So funny. But um, yeah, but so like we'd go on and you just talk shit. I didn't even know it was like doing radio. You do radio and you could talk shit about anybody. No one fucking hear it because there was no Twitter. Yeah. There was no Facebook. There was Friendster at the time. No, you, I mean, you did you hear what happened to Jay Moore with the Alyssa Milano thing? You yeah. made a comment about her and somebody clipped it and Twittered it to her. So. I wonder how often I say something about somebody and then somebody sends them a message saying, hey, Eddie, if said this and I don't even see it because they don't at me in it because yeah. I get shit all the time going. Hey, yeah, I used to get it. Hey, Patrice O'Neill said this about you or something. Well, you're you're this. the go to guy in New York comic like because you're friends with everyone. And like for me, like when I like I'll make a joke about you, but like only because you're my friend. I make a joke about like I was on doing Cowhead show and we were talking about like. Uh, the price point comics make on the road, and I was like, I was like, well, there's like the fifteen hundred dollar comics, and then you go three thousand. I go fifteen hundred dollars like Steve Byrne, 
Like, but I'll say that because Steve's my friend. Right. So I don't think he's going to get mad. I'll do that about you. Like, I'm, I, haven't, I haven't used you. But, like, I'll only do that to my friends. Like, I would never do that about someone that I'm actually enemies with. Right, right, Because right. then that's talking shit. Yeah, but I've talked shit on a few guys. And I'm, I'm like, I'm not worried because I usually say it about people that I don't give a fuck. But every once in a while, I'll throw somebody in. I'm like, oh, I hope they don't get mad that I referenced that they were the source of that story or something. Like, it's just we're so open. We're so fucking open now. Yeah, Skylar Stone was on here like slamming Owen Benjamin, and I was like, and I, I actually really like Owen. Yeah, I like Owen. Too. I really like Owen, and I was like, I didn't know how because you're in a room; it's very intimate. Yeah, like me and you, I would talk to you about it, yeah, and then but, I just take it out if I don't want it in there. But like at that point, I'm like, I'm this, like, I don't want to. I don't. I, he I, has I, access to this now. Like, yeah. Owen has access to hearing somebody talk behind his back, and, and then I'm sure Owen's like, "Bert, we're friends. Why didn't you stand up for me?" But so, then I'm like, "I don't, I don't want to argue with someone in my man cave." Right, and you're not necessarily talking behind their back anymore. You're talking in front of them because it can go to them. That's a Colin Quinn's joke. Um, I heard you were talking about me. Yeah, behind your back. What are you fucking raised by wolves? <laughs> you're confronting me about this. Yeah, yeah. I want to jump like, out of a fucking window right yeah, now. Yeah. Like I know my family talks behind my back. It's okay when you do it behind my back. It's fine. I'm never gonna hear it. That's why I always say, if I make fun of like retarded people on a show, it's okay. But if there's a retarded kid sitting in the front and I'm making fun of retarded people, then I'm a dick. I don't even say the R word anymore. <laughs> like, that's that's what my story involves. It's Lee Majors. The whole story is about the $6 million man. My dad used to be friends with him. And not friends, more of an acquaintance. Yeah. Johnny Majors, who was the head football coach of the University of Pittsburgh. In uh, 1976, they won the national championships. And my dad is like big in the boosters. He started the boosters club for the University of Pittsburgh. And uh, so he went out and like – with a bunch of other guys and found Johnny Majors to come in and coach. And in four years, he took them from like the losingest team in football to the national championship. And Lee Majors' real name is Lee Yari or Lee Yari. He changed his name to Majors. Is he Persian? No, I don't know, but he likes Johnny Majors so much, he changed his name to be like him. Are you shitting me? I swear to God. I swear to God. So he would come to every like home game and hang out. It'd be like you, you know, be and now going hanging out on the sidelines of Florida State. It's a dream of mine. So that's what he did. Lee Yari, the six million dollar man. This is the seventies. Would come hang out. So uh, before a game, the coach has to go meet, you know, like meet and greets all over, like on yeah. Friday. The coach, they're having the alumni homecoming. I was in the same fraternity as my dad. My dad, uh, what, what, Delta, uh, Delta, Delta Chi Delta, Delta Tau Delta, Delta Tau Delta. Yeah, same as Marcos Luttrell. Who Lone Survivor? I just saw. You hear that? Squirrels, I get that. See that fucking squirrel? Keep going. So Lee Majors uh, comes in one weekend, and Johnny Majors has to go around and do his rounds, one of which is going to my fraternity house, which my dad was a member of. And he gives a little pep speech to get them all excited because then they get more people excited, that kind of thing. Yeah. So they go, and it's alumni homecoming weekend. So it's not just the frat guys. It's all the guys that have graduated, too. Big party. And uh, so they get in there, and my dad goes, we lose Lee Majors right away. He's, like, gone. So Coach Majors gives his speech, gets them all excited, and then he goes, I'm going to get Lee Majors down here to uh, give you a, a pep talk. He And they lied. They go, he used to be a Delt. He wasn't. But they're yeah. like, and uh, they're like, oh, we get the fucking $6 million man. Yeah. But there's frat guys and then alumni who are like doctors and lawyers. And 
So Lee Majors comes down and he goes, you know, he's talking all about Pitt and the football team. It's all about you got to get cheer tomorrow and we got to win and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, let me tell you something about Johnny Majors. He's the greatest football coach in the world. He goes, the greatest. He goes, he came here. He goes, you guys were 0-11. He goes, he bought himself a bunch of, uses the N-word, and now you're national contenders. And my dad just grabs him by the shoulder and goes, okay, that's enough. <laughs> he must you. <laughs> and they just pull him oh, to the side. I and, pay money for moments like that. And just to be in the oh, just I forgot the best part. When, when they wanted him to speak, they couldn't find him. And he, he comes down the steps. My dad, Coach Majors, tells the story a million times. He falls down the steps. Oh, and uh, I know Johnny Majors is like my brother's godfather. He's a really close friend of the family. So I know, like, I've heard this story a thousand times. Falls down the steps, gets up his clog. It's the 70s. He's wearing clogs. The heel and the clog fell off, and he stands up and goes, I broke my fucking shoe. And they're like, <laughs> All right, calm down. So then he gives a speech. He drops the end bomb. They pull him off stage like, Jesus Christ. You can't what the sit. fuck rally is, does he think this is? This is, even, is? This is even 76, you know. This and is, people, this is, yeah. You still can't say that. Yeah. And you <laughs> can't say that he bought a bunch of players. <laughs> like, like, I don't know what We're was, overlooking the uh, violation yeah, by the committee. Yeah, yeah. I don't know which one in the 70s was worse. Uh, admitting to buying players. <laughs> purchased you know, those guys? Yeah. So they pull him off stage and then they're like, all right, thanks. They get in a limo because they're limoing all around to do these. They're going down to Froggy's, this bar in downtown Pittsburgh, to go meet with a bunch of other people. And they're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and my dad says he's in the corner of the limo, like almost crying. And they're like, what's wrong? And he's like, oh, my, I embarrassed you. I embarrassed you. Like, yeah, get over it. You know, like it's, yeah. it's okay, but it's not okay. Don't say shit like that. And don't if we let you talk again, you don't say those two things yeah and uh he's like I, i'm sorry and he goes it's just you guys i i was so nervous that when i got there you guys were talking to all these old guys and so i just went upstairs with the young kids and i was, I was smoking off a water bong <laughs> <laughs> and the next thing i know i fell down the steps <laughs> and i'm like so i've been you know my fraternity coach majors came back one time and did like one of these pep things when i was there and he told the story there and I couldn't believe he's telling it. I'm like, you're telling the story? You can't. Yeah, that's fucking great. And this is where it happened. You know, like, and uh, like some of the alumni that were there, like 70s guys, they're like, dude, we were the guys that got them high. Oh, like they lived up. through it and they took them upstairs and got them high. They knew the bong that they smoked with them off of. And But I mean, can you imagine getting Lee Majors high, watching him fall down the steps and then dropping the N-bomb? Oh. Like I would, f I live for those moments me too. when people. Me too. Like when people fuck. I know it's wrong and it's terrible, but I love to see a person fuck. Like I've always said, as much as I know what Michael Richards did was so wrong. I I was there the next night. I wish I, I wish I was just there to witness it. Really to see such a I, that, fucking train wreck happening. That's and I think that's why people they wait for that train wreck and then they videotape it because they're like, I got the train wreck. I you mean, know, that's I mean that's the name of my show in Australia that I'm doing. It's called Train Wreck. The new really? hour. Yeah, because. I live for train wrecks. Well, Brendan Burns, uh, you know Brendan Burns. Yeah, very he well. Did, he did that show where he had the plant that uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Indian chick 
yell out at yeah, him, the, and then the he went shot. back and forth. Yeah. And it was interesting because he did prove a point in a weird way with that. I didn't know she was a plant. Is that it's acting. It's yeah. like – and you shouldn't judge things that you don't know the whole truth. It's like people getting – I've seen people get mad at comedians for jokes. And it's like you won't get mad at an actor yeah. at playing a child molester, but you'll get mad at a comedian for making a joke about child molestation. Like, yeah. What, it's, it's all – we're the, on a stage. Is the it's chick, a performance. Who is the chick? Lindy West? She was on – she was on, man, I'm going to fuck this up. She was on Kamau Bell's show with mm-hmm. Jim Norton. Mm-hmm. And they went back and forth about uh, rape jokes. Yeah. And she had as her profile picture, like, Tim Robbins or someone. I'm, someone's going to tweet. Don't tweet this to me. Just don't get me involved with Lindy West because I'm sure she wouldn't like me. But I liked her. I thought she was really... I thought she was really intelligent in that, but one of the ironic things was she had for her profile picture on Twitter some actor who got famous by playing a guy who raped someone, right. like Tim Robbins, who raped this right. woman. And they were like, well... But she was saying rape jokes aren't funny. Rape jokes aren't funny, but you can watch it for real in a movie, and that's okay. I have... But I guess that is kind of... I don't I, know. I, I don't have know. a joke about that that kind of... I don't I, have any I, opinion on rape jokes. My I don't whole, have any in my My act. whole thing about all those jokes is... I always try to say the things you're not supposed to say and then trick you into laughing at it. That was see that that's my uh, whole that, that was like the and I say this I go back for those of you who don't know Eddie's probably the person I'm one of the handful of people I've known longest in this business. So like we both started in New York I started in New York and you were in New York and you were one of the nicer people like everyone was dicks at some point yeah, just treated are. you like shit and you <laughs> were working and you were one of the nicer guys and so we started hanging out and we both drank so we go down to the room and have beers at the end of every night and you know but um, but yeah, that was the thing is like get people to laugh at the uncomfortable shit. Get people to laugh at the thing that didn't. Yeah. It's like I can get not that I can do it, but like I can get you to laugh about Radio Shack. Not, yeah. I'm not. Yeah, it's, I, if, if, I, can as get, a, I can as write a, a comic, joke about Target as a all comic, day long. Yeah, you could look at that stool and have every comic write a joke about it, and everyone can make you laugh at it. Yeah, but it's like I always try to make you laugh at what you don't like. With the rape thing, when that happened, I said uh, I have an old joke and I fixed it. I said rape jokes aren't funny. And then all of a sudden you get people going, You're, yeah, they're not funny. I go, but if a hooker gets raped, isn't it just shoplifting? <laughs> and shoplifting's funny, right? Yeah, shoplifting is <laughs> so, hilarious. So yeah, kind of technically. <laughs> like I always want to go that – I always examine why people say you can't say this or this is wrong. And I, I – did you hear Madonna like a couple she days ago? She dropped an N-bomb. Yeah. And I think it's funny that that's like the eject button out of Hollywood. You're like, I'm ready to leave. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just gonna say it. Um, it's almost like I'm about I, done. I quit. <laughs> yeah, I quit. You just have to yell the n word. Yeah, just done. be like, that's an out. <laughs> you're done. You're out. <laughs> it's like when you're totally fed up. Because I, but I was joking with a friend of mine yesterday. I go, if I said it a hundred times, I'd still be exactly where I am. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, that's not a bad way to try to get attention. Is just start dropping. I'm well, amazed at the people. I'm amazed at the people that use it on. Well, I I don't know what she. I didn't understand why she used it in that sentence because I I saw it and I was like, I don't. It didn't really make sense. I no. guess maybe LL Cool J said that in a song and she was referencing the song. But even still, like I I was thinking about it today. I was like, you know what you want to do if you want if Al Sharpton and all them really want to do get away with the word, then they need to call for a boycott boycott on anyone using the word. Rappers, they did. Athletes. They tried that after the Michael Richards thing. Oh, did they? They wanted oh. to retire the N word. Retire it, became, it. 
They, they said, let's retire. And I said, what are you going to do? Are you going to raise it up like a giant N like up a big into the jersey. Apollo? Yeah, the Apollo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like a flag. Remember, remember that word? We can't Put it up in all the stadiums. It's been retired, everybody. <laughs> it's uh, the more they talk about it, the more they do that, the more power. it, And all it gets is power as a word, as a, like a button. Like yeah. a, it's just a button. It's like. Push this button, and you're going to create a reaction. I'm always shocked at how many people use it on the internet. These nameless, faceless people that have, like, the dude as their profile from the Big Lebowski, <laughs> and they just drop it just, oh. I mean, fucking fearlessly, well, calling Richard Sherman just straight up. Is really? that, did I say that yeah, name yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, they, like, he tweeted something. He was like, well, I guess racism is alive in America on MLK Day. And I was like, apparently... That's all anyone called him. Yeah, the real racist would be the when when someone like Madonna says it or some famous person like throws it out like that. That's that's to get a reaction or to get a joke across or to try to. But what the the anonymous ones? That's the real racism. That's the real racism. Yeah, like if you're gonna if you that's I mean the Richard Sherman thing. I did, like I, and I understand that everyone's trying to use the N word not to reference black people but to reference a behavior. That was not the. bit. I mean, I, I understand that that what the definition of what they're trying to say I is. I just watched a clip of him uh, he, t- talking dude, to one of the commentators and kind of putting him in his place. What what did he do that was so bad? He just got done fucking winning the game. That's adrenaline. And what did he's he say? Fucking, did he and say he's, like I'm awesome? He's a monster. He, he he. Did you see what happened? No. He just he fucking won the game for the fucking Seahawks. Right. They go to throw to this. They've been he's been guarding this guy all day. He's been handling this dude Crabtree all night. The guy they've only gone two plays to Crabtree, both of which he defended. So this guy didn't get one fucking catch. They go up. He tips it. There's an interception. The game's over. He comes. He runs over. He, this, this is the one thing, but I don't play football, so I don't know. But he tapped him on the ass and, and then said something after the guy did not catch the ball, which maybe you should have given the guy a little space. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that, but I've been to therapy. Yeah, I'm they sure. all play head games. I'm, and yeah, stuff I'm like sure that. Richard yeah. Sherman has been to therapy. Maybe he has. I don't know. Yeah. But like, but he was just, dude. That's what he does for a living. That's like saying, like he's he goes out and puts his body on the line every weekend. At the end of that, there's got to be some sort of emotional release that happens where he just is like... And then Aaron Andrews is like, you know, she's a hot chick. Mm. She's got... There is some energy between a dude who feels at the top of the game and maybe the most beautiful woman on the field pulling him aside going, tell me something. And he just said, you know... He just said, that's what you get when you put like in a below average receiver against a champion. Oh, so he's just being cocky. He's just being cocky and arrogant, and that's what we want. And people are blambasting yeah. him. Dude, I do not want sanitized no. Peyton Mannings after no. we won. The, what are you going to do? I'm going to Disney World. No. Fuck that. It's, I want someone to go, I'm making it rain. I got my boys. It's weird. They want everyone to watch the NFL, and everyone is, but at the same time, they want to like reduce it to such a mechanical uh, – like. Almost, you know, I was listening to the thing about the guy that spoke out for gay rights that they fired or they canned the punter from the, Minnesota, yeah, yeah, yeah. and how they just want it so plug this in here and this is how it all works and this is how we make our money. They just don't want any of that. They don't want the boat rocked. Yeah, it's like, what are you talking about? This is how the boat got so big by by <laughs> yeah. everybody rocking it. Dude, Dion, I remember when Dion came out Dion of Florida used State. To tell. Wide receivers on the walk back to the huddle, how to beat them. He'd yeah. go, you do your head fake too early because I see your head fake and then I know you're going the other way. He's like, don't do the head fake. Look in my eyes. Then I'm watching your eyes. You don't do a head fake. Then I know. And he, he would tell guys that. And they'd be like, 
motherfuckers telling me how to beat him. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's like he's that good. When he came out and he said he's he's no longer Deion Sanders, he's prime time. Yeah, like, I remember being like, I remember being like, dude, this is how I want my athletes. I want them fucking bigger than life. Yeah, I want. I them- said we all love the Avengers. But you love the Avengers. I want my athletes on so many steroids. I want Usain Bolt to run the 100-meter dash in one second flat. I want to I, see how where chemicals can take us. I, I do, too. Yeah. We're, we're using surgeries to do it. Why not? You know, they all have fucking my, – my stepfather – or stepfather, my father-in-law has two – both knees have been operated. He's got two artificial hips, two shoulders. I mean, they're just fucking – yeah. After they're done, they're allowed to reconstruct them. Why can't they do it while they're playing and let them? And you look at these guys paying on the back end with like brain injuries, and and it's like, it's like you know what? It's let them. This are fucking living. Yeah, they're living. They're living. We're, I live vicariously through them. Yeah, the X Games. These guys decide to do backflips and stuff and risk their life. These football players have decided to risk their life. Yeah, look at Matt Hoffman. You know, Matt oh, Hoffman. It's crazy. The, like you look what he's been through. Do you ever and, read his knee surgery story? No. He had so many knee surgeries in his Matt Hoffman, is, for those of you guys who don't know, is a professional BMX rider. Uh, the Birth of Big Air was a 30 for 31 that I loved. Oh, he's, he's, he's amazing. And I grew up BMXing, so I was like... Did you oh, really? Oh, yeah, that's all I did. He, his knee was operated on so many times. His insurance company... He couldn't get insurance. Nobody would cover him anymore. Uh, he, there was a knee surgery that he needed to get, and they needed to get... It was like polypropylene, this the, like tendon that they had to put in or something. And they, it wasn't approved by the FDA. So he had to have it done in Canada. The problem was they could do it in Canada. They couldn't do it with anesthesia. And the, the part was in England. The, 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 so he had to have the part, the, the, the tendon flown over in a bike box with like bike supplies over to Canada. Then the doctor had to operate not using anesthesia on him while he did it. And Matt Hoffman at one point had to help the doctor with his own surgery. Mm-hmm. I read that in uh, ESPN magazine, and I was like, "Why wouldn't you just quit?" <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't have that. Quit. Oh, yeah, I couldn't do it. Quit fucking BMXing. I guess it's in his fucking. It's what he. It's passion. He's so good. If you ever think like if say say like if you got um, say you said something that was like that was a joke, and then all of a sudden like the next day. Like something that, like you, I, I, the thing is, I can never say like, say you had a Michael Richards moment because you would never have that. I wouldn't say that, but something that got me. I've had, I've said controversial things that have gotten me in trouble, especially in Australia. Um, the very first day after it happens, I feel like shit. I yeah. feel like the whole world's against me. Yeah. And then as it slowly wears off, I start to feel better, and it's just like high school all over again. When I get in trouble and get sent to the principal's office. I was so scared. I was worried about my parents. I was worried about what was going to happen to me, the ramifications. And as time wore on, I just kept thinking, this is funnier and funnier than I thought. It's the it's the day after like I I can't remember of an example now but the, the day and which is the perfect example because I can't remember of an example but I know I've had it a bunch like I remember one time I was doing Tampa radio and I was on a show on Spike and it got can- it got canceled I knew that uh, it got canceled like a week before and I was doing press and they were like so tell us about fresh baked video games what tell what's that all about and I said well, it was canceled and they're like what this is on like TV I go it's canceled and they're like oh my god I'm I'm sorry. What? What happened? And I said, it sucked. And they're like, what? And I said, it was, it, was a, it was a pretty bad show. And they were like, okay. Like, they didn't know what to say because I was just being very honest. And I thought it would be funny. I thought, but it didn't get a laugh. And then, and then I got done. And I was like, what the fuck's wrong with me? No one will ever hire me again. I remember I yeah. spiraled. So oh, I was like, because yeah. here I am talking shit 
about a fucking show that was kind enough to pay me, and I'm saying it sucked, right. but it did suck, and that's why it got canceled, and I was spiraling. I was so I bad. Would, I would do the same thing. And then I was like, and then now I look back, I'm like, no, nah, it didn't affect me at all. Did, do you think anyone ever found out? No. Yeah, because uh, I think a lot of times things like that do just go under the radar, and all it takes, though, is that one person to just – because that's what happened to me with a couple things. Australia, I got in trouble for making fun of – the crocodile hunter's daughter, Bindi Irwin, after he died. And um, hey, what could possibly be your angle on a grieving child? Um, well, I, Fiona Lachlan, who's my friend, who's the funniest Australian <laughs> comedian, she's this crazy drunk woman, and she's hilarious. One of the funniest comedians in the world. Like, she tells stories about losing her kid in the liquor store. You know, like, it, wait, how do I feel like I know this? Did she tour with Stan? She did something? Last Comic Standing for a little bit. She was doing okay. well. She and I were on this panel show. And we, Bindi Irwin. See that that I'm going to defend you. But I don't even know your joke, and I and I can't imagine the joke at all. But here's the thing about comics: is that you get in the moment and you think of something quick, right? And you just and go you with just it. fucking go with it because that's where comedy's born out of. Born out of that moment of saying the thing that you don't edit and it comes out naturally. That's why it's funny. That's why people are laughing. And it and it's and it's real and it's aggressive. And and it's the same like Patrice said one time. But it's time risky ago, too. We have to pay. Sometimes there are consequences. There are consequences for funny things. And and I hate to say this, but the castration of a comedian is the saddest thing in the world yeah. when they stop living in that moment and they're just like the friendly guy. And I'm not saying like Kevin James is that guy or he ever was that guy, but like you know he's got way too much to but lose. Like, like Bob Saget, who I love. I think yeah. Saget's the greatest. Yeah. But taking Bob Saget, who was the dirtiest, filthiest comedian, and putting him on Full House. And then he's got a and brand. Then no one understood when he started doing comedy again. Everybody's like, what? "This isn't the Bob Saget we know." And it's like, "No, you were watching the Bob Saget that wasn't the Bob Saget." Right. It's it's. I've I've definitely, I've definitely skated that fence working with travel. Oh, I would, because yeah. I'm, I'm very respectful of their brand, and sure. I understand that. Sure, and you have to entirely. Be. To do and job. I love the show. The job is the best job in the fucking right. world. Um, and they've been always very yeah, gracious. I, I've watched like, you on it, and I still think you get to be yourself. I'm definitely still myself, and I and and I also grew a lot. And I was like, well, what is my purpose? Like, I don't, I want, I don't want to. Like, I don't, like, I don't, I, I lost, host, right. I, well, what's my purpose in stand up is like, I really just want to tell my stories about me and my life. They do offend people, yeah. but you can't, you can't, if you, if you get offended about something that goes on in my fucking life yeah. and I'm just telling you about my life, hey, you're a fucking powerless individual. But travels always have my back when it comes to stand up. They're like, you do whatever you do on stand up. That's really cool. Cause I, I've worried that like, I've just crushed any chance of a career in television because of my podcast. That I've talked so much shit on so many that not just not just that people wouldn't want to hire me, that if I got hired, people could go back and find stuff and then present it like, look what he said in two, you know, 2011. But you need to have when this is what you do when you get when you get your next show, you just need to the second you do, you need to talk to the network and everyone and go, we need to have a jet boat moment here where we don't look back at the wake. We can't look at what is behind the boat. Let's look what's forward. And let, I can promise you that all it's going to be is sunny skies. <laughs> because there's some fuck. Jim and I had a jerk-off contest where we jerked off in bags to see who could come quicker. <laughs> like, me, Jim went to one room. I went to the other. Well, Jason not, went to the other. It's not hurting Jim. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's Jim's based a career on that. Whereas yeah. this is probably my biggest fault is that I look the way I look. I look like M- Mr. Middle America, boy next door type thing, where they tried to push me into hosting, stand-up, like 
or I mean sitcom, yeah. like like just why are you trying to be edgy, Eddie? And I'm like, I'm not trying. I am. That's my what, it's personality. What, it comes is naturally. Edgy. There are dudes that go that work clean. I don't begrudge that at all. No, me I, I, like, yeah, do it. That's what they do. I remember Gary Goldman has the greatest joke about the first time he Gary jacked makes off. Me fucking laugh so hard, and so does Brian Regan. I love clean comedy. Yeah, I fucking love it. I can't do it. It's not me. I can't do it. It just I don't. I'm not inspired to do it. So putting me, they always push me towards these type of shows. And I you feel could like, still host though. Like you could host a a show like on Travel Channel. But you, I feel like they're gonna go back and be like, okay, here he is jizzing in a bag. <laughs> Look, the people that are fans of this podcast all watch the show. No one watches show listen to this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that might be true. And we have an ad agency that brings us ads for our podcast, and I know them all really well. And they yeah. do, they do all the big Corollas and Marins. And I've sat with them, and they're like, "Look, your numbers are so good, we could make you a ton of money." Mm-hmm. And I go, "Okay, then let's do it." They go, "Well, it's hard to sell talking shit to Geico." Yeah, Geico. When we sit with executives, I remember when your say, podcast came out and you had to change the name like third week or something. <laughs> well, even now we're talking about like if I'm ever going to make it profitable, I'm going to have to switch the name, and we might switch the name to called Selling Out. And, Selling Out with Eddie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's and not just a bad because idea. that's what it is, I'm admitting to the fact that you're I not w- selling out. You're buying in. Yeah, it's it crushes me that I have to give that up, and I fought it for so long. But they're like, there's a big thing though. There's a big thing though, and I think it's having kids. Your perspective changes. Oh yeah, well that's about- what's happening now. Fucking Venice house prices. You start thinking to yourself like mortgage. Like a perfect example. Um, like uh, past drug use. I used to talk very openly on anything. I'd just be like, oh, yeah, I took acid and went to Disney World. Like, I fucking, man, I took mushrooms and got, like, now I'm very, like, I doubt my daughters are going to find that one clip at one hour and 26 minutes in this podcast. But I would never tell the story. I'd never romanticize about it. I would now, because only because they're getting to the age where they start to get a certain older. And you start realizing, like, what you're putting out there and what what you put out there comes back to you in life. And I don't want my kids... It would break my heart. Look, I had a fucking blast in college, smoking pot and playing frisbee. Like that was like one of my favorite things to do in the world. It would break my heart if my daughters needed to smoke pot just to throw a fucking frisbee. Like I look at them throw a frisbee and they're amazed by it. Like, well, I had my nephew uh, the other day. I was I had my niece's nephew and my my sister. They all came to visit. My sister said something about that. My one nephew, who's seven has been picking on the new kid in his class. And, and you're I, a renowned bully. Yeah, and so I put him aside <laughs> to talk to him about about how to do it better. <laughs> like, listen, have you... Have, what? <laughs> you know, it's so funny. How high can you pull a wedgie? No, wait, wedgie. wait, let me finish this. So oh. I pull him aside and I said, hey, uh, listen, I heard about you and the new kid. And I said, you know, the best thing you could do is befriend him. I go, you're not impressing anybody by... But, and I'm just... I know how to get through to the little kid. So yes. I'm talking to him. I'm like, Austin, you need to do this. You need to do that. And... And I go, so you can't. You can't pick on the new kid. You just can't do it. And he goes, well, you shouldn't use S-H-I-T all the time. And I went, when do I use S-H-I-T? Because I don't swear in front of the kid. And he goes, all over the internet. (laughs) And he's Googled my name. He's a master of the internet. I find out from my sister. He's watched my stand-up videos. He's been all over that. And now it's starting to occur to me. Oh my God, all this horrendous shit I've done and said. Dude, wait till they're your fucking kids. My daughters are at school, and one of her friends says, uh, 
let's Google my dad. He's famous. Oh God! And and I like I know this kid's dad. The kid's dad is not famous. Oh. Like like I I know that for a fact. But he's you know he he works, but he's not he's not famous. He's one of George's friends at all yeah. at all. Yeah. Okay. And uh, they Google him, and he's and and they are doing shit that Dane Cook taught me. Looking at the numbers on the right of Google to see how much how much things come up in that search under that person's name. You know how like uh, there's two hundred fifty thousand out of whatever. And George goes, "Oh, my dad's famous. Put him in." They type in Burr Kreischer, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Whatever the fuck came up, they were like, "Whoa, your dad's really famous." Oh my god, your dad's naked with a crunch munch picture. Yeah. Like, I mean, not even naked. It's that it's that picture right there. But that's on the internet. Like. Like all this shit, and I'm like, holy fuck, my kid. Georgia talking about bullying. Do you want to talk about bad parenting right here? <laughs> Georgia, Georgia's having an issue with a bullying class. Okay, and uh, she, it's it's really fucking her up. She's gi- giving her anxiety. So Leanne says, you know, why don't you talk to her about it? So I go, listen, Georgia, here's what you need to do. What's different about this kid? She was like, what do you mean what's different? I go, what's, what makes him different than the other kids? She tells me, I go, single that out. I go, you take that one trait and you accentuate it and you make fun of it. You mock it openly. The next time he says something to you, you mock that one thing and you go, oh, this coming from the guy with bop, 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 bop. And she was like, really? I go, that will work. And Leanne's like, what the fuck are you doing? And I go, I'm teaching her to stand up for herself. Yeah. She's like, no, now you're turning her into a bully. You just, and I was you like. gave her bully skills. I gave her bully skills. I was like, I can fucking take care of this. But it's pretty much what life is. I've, I, I, have, I have a big chunk I'm doing about bullying in my new show about that, about bullies are necessary. And the, it's, it's kind of like, you know what, it's you're like right. a food chain. I understand, because, I understand where everyone because, stands on bullies, but like bullies are, like, they made me. But no, no, but my theory on bullies are people were bullied because they needed to be bullied. There are people out there. I play chess on the internet against other people. I always ask for take backs. They ask for take back. I, I want to bully you right now. You yeah, play chess exactly. on the internet. And I play it all the time. So I'm playing with the biggest nerds <laughs> in the world. They take back. I give it to them. I go for a take back. They never give it to me. After I've given them like five take backs. Yeah. They don't give me one. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And then they'll write, just play. I'm like, just play. I gave you five take backs. Now you won't give me one. Because they finally got the upper hand and they now want to squash you. Yeah. That's why if we were in a physical environment, if we were doing this in school, I would have beat the fuck out of it. I would have made them eat those chess pieces. <laughs> and so now now they're getting away. And I'm like, this is why you got bullied. Because you did that cunty little move yeah. that taught you to stop doing that shit. Now you're in anonymity. Like those people that are doing the Twitter bullies. The, the cyber bullies are the worst. They because they're, they, there's no repercussion. Because they weren't bullied. Like, you can't get to them. So or maybe they were, and this is so their... So now they're bullying. And and it's it's bullshit. It's like... Uh, I uh, I, I mean, I, having a kid, I look at bullying... I look at bullying very differently than I did growing up. However, because I, I look at Georgia... I got, and, bullied, and, I got bullied really badly by my cousins and my older older kids. Oh, I got tortured by my and fucking then, uncles. And then I did it to, like, the little... Like, the younger guys in my neighborhood. Nothing, like... Nothing where I ever hurt a kid or put him in danger or anything or or like crushed his self-esteem anything like like never vindictively it was yeah. all like in fun and games I got I got a swirly one yeah, time Yeah like that Like I remember getting a swirly and being like oh I get, they must like me in a weird way I was like I was dressing in the pool one day like changing clothes and I was naked and Eric Hap rat-tailed me and the tip of it hit the tip of my cock and it turned purple and i i dropped to the ground I that was the that was the that was the fucking game over home run when you could rat tail someone's cock oh 
it was, and it hits so perfectly. Like the, the less of the towel that hits you, and what the, the best part is that is that it made the mocking, mocking like, like yeah. it made the snap, and yeah. it was, and it was just it knocked the wind out of me, and I dropped to the ground, and I'll never forget that. But the greatest bully story ever. I used to have this kid, John Epstein, who would come over to get bullied. It's not like. I'd go to his house <laughs> Eddie, what and be are you like, for? John, come out to play. Yeah. He was, I'll be out front with my he, glasses he'd on. Like, he'd be like, is Eddie home? My mom used to do an impression of me. he goes, is Eddie home? And my mom be like, no, he's at you know, practice. Is Johnny home? My younger brother, she's like, no, he's a practice. Yeah. Student. He'd be like, is Scrappy home? Our dog, like, yeah. he just, so I used to, I, I ran track all through high school and college. And I used to have this surgical tubing that I would use, you know, for training yeah. where it pulls you faster. Uh-huh. So when you run against it, it's for strengthening. It like makes you work really hard when you're pulling against it. Then when you're getting pulled with it, you run faster, which increases your stride length, which makes you faster. Um, and you have to run at 120% of your top speed. You're running faster than you can actually run. Yeah. So your muscles learn to run that fast. So, okay. it, so I would practice with this. And I would tie it to a tree and run and then run back and run. So – then we learned we could like put my dog in it and watch my dog run really fucking fast, which was amazing. It looked like an airplane landing without without wheels. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was fucking amazing putting the dog in this like a little harness and fly across the yard like faster than the dogs ever. So I used to put John Epstein in it. And I would say, stand here and I'm going to run. And I would do this and then I would make him run. And literally, you know, he didn't have the speed. Three steps in, he's on the ground getting pulled like by a water ski rope almost. Yeah. So it's like a bungee cord, just fucking zapping him across the yard. L- think about a bungee cord, it's pulling him all the way out and then letting go of him, but just having him just do, do, do across the grass. Yeah. So he knew what I would do all the time. So I would start running and then he would start running like really quickly so it wouldn't get stretched out. So I'd be like, listen to me, you fucking stay here and don't you move till I tell you. And I would try to stretch it as far as it could go just so I could watch him fall. Yeah. And so one day I'm like, all right, you hold onto this tree. I'm going to go. I'm stretching this fucking thing out. And then you let go. When I tell you, but don't you move till I. And you'd be like, all right, all right, all right. So I stretch this thing out till it is dental floss. You know, it starts out. It's like a quarter of that. It's dental floss. And I'm like, I'm terrified that it's going to snap. And I'm like. Oh my God. So I'm like, go. And I see him take one step and then probably 15 yards in the air and then hit on his face. He's still, and he's dragging, but he's at a standstill. He's still so far away that it's dental floss. And I'm like, fuck. I'm like, I do not want this thing to snap. It'll hurt so, a giant rubber band. So I go like this crawl to me slowly. And I, I'm holding onto the tree because I ran to a tree and held on. I look over my shoulder. I go, crawl to me slowly. As I look over my shoulder, all I see is him removing the harness <laughs> from his legs and just taking it off. And I, I'm looking at him, but I turn around. It's like slow motion. I go, no. As this giant fucking rubber band, is, you could hear it coming through the air. Just go, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And it just went slap. And it hit me from like the calf <laughs> to my shoulder. Like all, like it was just like all this rubber just went like schwap to the point where I had raised welts all oh. over my body. 
and it knocked me down, knocked the wind out of me, and I see Epstein running down the street to his parents' house, like getting away from me. And he's so far away, I'm never going to catch him. But I'm and I'm in, I'm crying. I'm tears are coming out of me. Yeah. And he got me back in that one instance for like every bit of bullying. I mean that pain. Isn't that? In, but we grew up in a weird. We grew up in a different time when, like, when our parents hit us, and like, yeah, and that's like, true. and like, bullying. In all honesty, like, bullying wasn't that bad for me. I mean, it was. I, I got bullied, but but my bullies also beat me up, like, like physically assaulted me. Yeah, my cousins like, did. That so like, 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 I remember uh, Bobby Pinson, and I, I could name. I'll name three people who were, were bigger than me that I thought were going to beat me up. Bobby Pinson, T.J. Rude, and uh, and. Uh, Pete Curry's brother, Mike Curry. I mean, they, they literally, you just show up to a football game and then they just stalk you and go, I'm going to fuck yeah, you I up. Yeah, I had that stuff too. And you're like, and I, I it was, was like, terrifying. Yeah, and it was terrifying. It was terrifying. And it made me, I'm sure it gave me anxiety, but it also formed me into who I am a little bit is that I got out of it and it's like I had to learn on the fly. And But I watched Georgia go through, Georgia didn't even deal with it that much. She's got one dude that's bullying her. But I watched Georgia go through it and I want to say to her, honey, it sucks. And I know that this really fucking is, is, it's bothering you and it's making you sick to your stomach, but you gotta understand that that all that is actually conditioning you to be a better person. Yeah, because I look back, I'm friends. I am now really good friends with some of my bullies, and dude, what, I had a bully. Jim, Jim and I found out. We were talking about. I found my list of goals from when I was like a freshman in high school. Yeah, and one of them was to beat up my high school bully. And Jim found his bully, and the guy still was bullying Jim like online. He's like, "Yeah, so what's going on with you?" Like he doesn't even know Jim's. So I go. I'm going to look up my bully. So I look him up online. Lives in Tampa, Florida. Shut up. And uh, he was disbarred from, he had a law degree and he was practicing law. And I was like, ha, ha, ha. And then I'm like, maybe I'll fly to Florida and I'm in good shape now. We're all, I'll beat the, beat the fuck living, out of him. Just st- at, hide in his bushes. Yeah, but he owns his own MMA studio and he's the head coach there, <laughs> head trainer. <laughs> And Jim goes, your bully grew up to be a professional bully. <laughs> Two of my bullies came to one of my shows in Tampa one time, and they were sitting up there, and, and like these guys were in high school, they made high school difficult for me. Like, yeah. but they were older than me. I went to an all boys Catholic high school. I remember when we were freshmen, they were like, "Get ready to get hazed." Yeah. That's what you have. You have the first month is all hazing, and they could hit you on the top of the head with their rings, and you had like these. We had to wear beanies. We had to like wear little wear little beanies to school. Uh-huh. And then when I went to college, I actually paid to get hazed. I paid like yeah, eight hundred dollars yeah, exactly. a semester to get hazed. Like so, hazing was a part of the defining of who I was. Um, but I don't, I don't condone necessarily bullying. But I don't look back at it. Though I don't look back at it. Yeah, well, I'm I, sure there I, were kids that I, had it I really think, fucking bad. I think bad. it's gotten blood out of proportion because I think the instances where they bully a person until they commit suicide. I never saw anything like that when I was a kid. Or I mean, we had friends that we had dude. I knew dudes that killed themselves, but I didn't know if that was why. Yeah, I don't. I never saw anything. That, I mean, I did have some some. I was really afraid of I, the school bus pulled up one day and there were a bunch of kids waiting for me at my stop. <laughs> so and I was, I was so scared and I'm friends with all those kids now. Yeah. So it, it taught me to deal with the problem that why, why were they mad at me and how do I confront this and how it, do it I made make me learn how friends? to make them laugh? I, I read this thing about Spielberg. He was getting bullied as a kid. And so what he did was he started making movies and he put all the bullies in his film. Jesus Christ! Yeah, I mean, there it's how yeah, you. There is a coping to it, and I, and I, I know we're not. I know someone right now. Oh, there's there's somebody. There's that someone that's losing it. their fucking mind. Yeah, yeah. But you know, we're not we're not trying to solve it. We're and just I'm not, saying. And I'm not condoning. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm not saying. It's, I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm saying it's a, it's a natural 
part of like, evolution. Yeah, it like really, just like humiliating yourself during sex one time. Yeah, you know, like I that is the first fucking ten times I did it. I just didn't know what the. I just heard of the World Air Sex Championships. I heard about this too. How Sounds fucking hilarious. crazy is that? Yeah, yeah. But it's it's not. They're not even really trying. Like oh. I mean, like when I air guitar, I really fucking air guitar. Like I play the, the I play the chord progressions. Do you like, really? Oh, I'm a fucking. I did it for an episode we did in Trip Flip. We had the world air guitar, uh, Nordic Thunder. He was a world champion. We came and had him in Chicago where he lives do an air guitar, and he was really good. He was really good. But, like, I am great. Like, I went up, and I got done. I did. I Were knew you this. better than him? I, I'm not saying I was better than him, but I'll tell you one thing. He came up to me personally, pulled me aside, and said, hey, man, no joke. You could fucking compete. And I was like, I go, really? He goes, you're fucking really good. Because, I, first of all, I knew the song I was I was coming up to fucking Rush, fucking Tom Sawyer. I yeah. know that. Me and Steve, what's uh, Steve, the uh, uh, comedian from England that was a drummer? Steve Hughes. Steve Hughes and I would sit every fucking night in South Africa and do the drums to fucking Rush. How, and I would how do the interesting guitar. is Steve Hughes? He's Holy. fascinating. And I can tell you one guy who's definitely not listening to this, Steve Hughes. Yeah. He doesn't even have an email address. No. I remember it took him like 45 minutes to type a letter to his chick. Because he was like, I don't, I don't on know. On a typewriter. To, yeah, on a, and he was like on the computer, like one finger. That I go, guy's Steve, a genius. just tell me what That's it is. A, that guy is a genius. His, my, one of his favorite jokes. I so, smoked so much weed in high school. Uh, Bob Marley had a poster of me in his room. <laughs> <laughs> He's so good. I used to watch him and just be blown away. He's like, another one of his jokes. I don't want to do all Steve's jokes, but you're, uh, hopefully this will implore you to go look him up and, and check out his shit. Uh, well, I forget the joke, but it was like, uh, you ever take mushrooms and then go down to the river with a bag of ice and put it in the river and go, all right, you're free, go home. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love Steve Hughes. And he's so, but his political satire is <laughs> incredible. They're the best. Like the, <laughs> I, I can't even say it because it's going to sound racist what he said, and I don't want people to think he's racist. No, he's like he's the, the least he's, racist he's like person. He's the most just person alive. The most just person. Yeah. But he also doesn't believe in like credit cards because he doesn't want to be in a system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about cash. So he's smart. He's a fucking... I <laughs> love that guy. You really... You, you got... Me into that whole international thing a lot more than I ever would have because it was all it was also a good like it, gro- it, gro- it grows you as a comic because it really so, does so, such other point of views out there other than the ones you know I grew up in the cellar the comedy cellar which was everybody was performing just like everyone else there was so much of as much as they're all uh, so different if you look at like Robert Kelly I mean I love all these guys I think they're all so funny yeah. in their own way Robert Kelly and Jim Norton and Patrice and Rich Voss and Ben Bale all of them so different there is a style that they all have very similarly and a mentality that and I was in it and it was I needed to break free from it to kind of release and understand that there are you don't just have to do comedy and they all I would explain their style like if I ever wrote like or or if somebody like ever did a class on comedy, I would say they're all purists. They were guys that you don't do a lot of acting out. You don't use props. You don't. It's just your they words. Were, they were purists. They were the Howard Rourke's of stand-up comedy. That's what, what is that reference from Howard the Rourke. from the uh, from the Fountainhead? The Fountainhead's a book by Anne Rand. It's okay. all about subjectivism and or objectivism, I think. And sh- and it's all Howard Rourke was the guy that was like, I'm doing it because I love it. And I want it to be real, and I want it to be pure, and I'm not doing it for the money. What I, like Jim Norton doesn't go to the cellar 
for money at all. He does it because right. he's obsessed. And they, they are with obsessed. The I'll never forget. Talk- Attell. Attell is obsessed with I, the perfect joke. I, I I heard Norton say one time, somebody was asking about a girlfriend. This is years and years ago. And he goes, girlfriend? I can't have a girlfriend. That would de- that would keep me away from doing stand-up. Yeah. And he was like so focused on his stand And I mean, I used to think that too. I was like, if I get a girlfriend, I won't go out and do as many sets every night. And I need to do seven, eight, nine, ten sets a night. Yeah. And I want to. And I used to think like I'd have a girl going, come over. And I'd be like, are you kidding? I've got shows. Like I'd rather be doing shows yeah. than coming over. And whereas everyone else would be like, hey, you're getting laid. Why do you need to do shows? I'm, it's, I'm, I look at it now and I'm so different from when I started. When I started, I was, I was in that same mentality too where I was like, it was all about getting on stage and just getting and just keep working and keep writing. And, 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 and I, I learned, I'm so fucking glad. I'm so proud that i started in new york yeah because that that all those dudes all those dudes are i mean collectively the greatest comics out there right now yeah i i do believe that and i think if you there's a book called outliers and it talks about how people get great at things and i think it's just obvious that new york comics get good because when you go through a night of doing seven shows you're and you're doing these short sets you're able to recognize a problem with the joke and fix it the next show. Yeah. And maybe even hone it even better the next show. Whereas when you're doing long, hour-long sets on the road or whatever, you might forget through the process of which joke messed up or which was good so you don't get to correct. I'm sorry. This was in the talent code. And it talked about wrapping myelin around nerves, like your nerve bundles. And when you – the greatest people like the Tiger Woods and the Kelly Slaters of this world, what they do is when they – fuck something up they stop right there they fix it and then try it again rather than just going with the flow that's me i go with the flow well i do too now because i never taped a set in my life uh, i do now because i'm i'm always doing hours yeah in new york you're doing these short sets where you can I, I, i think it was a tell or somebody told me once that you can you can write a joke in in a night because if you do like five six seven sets and you just keep doing that joke by the seventh set, you got it. And then you got a brand new joke. Every night you can have five new jokes. Yeah. Otel was the guy that – I always tell the story. I don't know if you remember this, but I always tell this story about me and you going to Off the Wagon. And we sat up at the bar and we saw Otel sitting at a table. And, and I remember you were like, oh, Otel's here. And we were like, oh. And we were going to go over to say hi. And as soon as we were getting up from our seats, the bartender put two shots of whiskey in front of us. He's like, hey, guys, this is for Atel, from Atel. And we were like, oh. And we were like, oh, grab him, walk him over. And he's like, leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> and, I was, and we were like, sure. You know, and Drager shots. You know, it's really funny. He texted me this morning uh, because uh, I guess, uh, you know, we'll talk about this off air. Um, oh. but it's, a, it's a funny. Will you make sure to delete this out? Just tell me off air. I don't want to fucking okay. edit another no. thing out of this right. podcast. Because the- it's just not, this might not be public. Knowledge. And he's, he, he doesn't give a shit about people knowing shit, but I... Uh, it's it weird. I remember there was one time there was a comic. I won't tell you who, but he was t- told me he was using uh, uh, p- uh, Propecia, mm-hmm. I think. And I told uh, I told another comic who was losing his hair. And then that comic went to the other comic and said, Bert said you're using Propecia. And then that comic came back and he was like, dude, the fuck don't you know about a secret? And I was like, I didn't know there was a secret. I thought there was like a code between guys losing their hair that we could share how we were trying to. Yeah, I've, I, well, I've, I'm always terrified of comics and how sensitive they are. And yeah. I'm always afraid because I'm, I'm not sensitive. At all. Yeah, you can just that's because we were probably bullied and it doesn't matter. Yeah, like um, I'm not sensitive in the slightest. I'm not, and you can, but I, 
sometimes I'll see like I'm not going to name names, but guys. One time I was talking to a girl in the back of a room during a show, and this comic came off stage. She's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And I go, "Huh?" And I was friends with the girl, and I'm like, "He's like, I brought her to see me," and I'm like, "She's a comic. You're a comic. I'm sure she's seen you, and she gets it." But he was like trying to impress her. Yeah, and he's like, "You're you fucking." I already, just- I already know who this is. I mean, I feel like I know who this is. And I was like... Yeah, well, there's some comics that the only reason they got into stand-up is to get laid. Like, I, I got into stand-up. I literally got into stand-up. I give two shits about pussy. I got into stand-up to make people laugh and to make money. I uh, Let me rephrase that. I got into stand-up to get a sitcom. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I got into stand-up got, to make people laugh. I, I love the pussy aspect that it could bring me pussy. I was like, this is great. Yeah. This is amazing. I never, I, I used it once to get pussy. My whole life I was getting, Twice. I was thinking about that on the Three way over Three times here. I, I used I it to, to get pussy. I to about that because I was thinking that on the way over here. I, my whole life I was trying to get laid and I, I was good before I became a comedian. Yeah. I was good at hooking up. But it was like much easier then. And I was like, this is great. I couldn't do anything else other than comedy. Like I really, I would have gotten fired. I got fired from a lot of jobs, but I would have gotten fired times a hundred had I never found stand up. So this is what I was just like. It's all I could do. Then the fact that I could get laid on top, I was like, that's awesome. Oh, I, 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 one time, I, I wish I knew this girl's name. I want to say it was Dana. I want to say her name was Dana. I'm almost certain it was Dana. She's from Chicago. She was so hot. And I met her at the Boston Comedy Club. She was with another girl. Uh, and they were all from Chicago. And they were all here doing like some internship. And we dated for like maybe three months. But I just I remember she, two things. She wore leather pants. She had a thick fucking like North Chicago accent. And, uh, and I remember one time she came. Like all her friends were in town. They all came to my house. And I had a show that night. And she like took care of me. She was like, do you need to take a nap before you go on stage? I was like, no, I'm fine. She's like, okay. Whatever you need to do. Like she was really. And I fucking. I remember thinking like. A lot, I think about her often and I go, whoever the fuck married that chick? Lucked out. Really lucked out. I, I mean, we just end up growing apart and then I moved to LA and I never, I just never saw her. But I, I wish I could keep in touch with her and just say hi. Tell her that I think fondly of her. I'm sure she's got like a flock of kids. Well. Italian. Uh, I always thought you were weird for that. Because <laughs> I would see you out and I th- I always think man's ultimate motives are always to get laid. It's just in our DNA. Yeah. It's just what we're – and we all can't control it. And we have this this natural like uh, uh, affinity for women and hot women and beautiful women, whatever it is. But And I always think that if like if a guy is acting like he doesn't have game, that's his game. Like yeah. th- that it's alter- – and I would watch you and I'm like, where's Bert's – Pussy angle because you see a lot of comics bringing girls in, hanging out with girls, yeah, uh, trying to get girls, working at almost all comics. And I would see you, and it was never happening. And I'm like, does he is he smarter than us? Like, does Bert have a bar he goes to afterwards that he's got like, these <laughs> girls? Because like you always you. were successful and you always had stuff going on with your career. And I'm like, then how does he? How does he transfer that into getting him laid all the time? And then I'd ask you, I'm like, you must be just getting tons. Of, and you're like, no, I never get laid. Yeah, <laughs> and I'd, I'd be like, no, no, because uh, you're successful. You got you're really charming. You got this, and everybody's. <laughs> and I'm going, really is he laid. really secretive? Or I'm like, is he gay? Is he? <laughs> what? What's, 
what's this angle? I couldn't get it. Because I'm like, because once everybody gets successful, they use it. And I'm like, he's got the success part. Does he not know that he's successful? Does he? And then when you got married, I was like, I think this is the first girl I've ever seen you with. (laughs) That probably was. I would, I, I never like. I always figured if it if it happened, it happened, and if it didn't, it didn't. But most guys, like, I was a big partier, and I was always jealous of you because of the Rolling Stones, because I was, like, I was a high school massive partier. And then college, I just didn't get into drugs, but I drank a lot. And I look back on all my partying. It was all partying to get to pussy. It was like, I'm going to party a lot to have girls around me and be the fun guy and get girls and get laid because – Probably I was probably socially awkward, and so I used the alcohol to get there. That's interesting. And it, yeah, I've had this big revelation that I was an alcoholic, and I didn't realize it till about a year ago. But um, <laughs> but so I would create the party for the, and it was like I had a friend a little bit like you that would get drunk and go away from women. Like he would go pass out, so, and I'm like. Wait, isn't the whole purpose to get drunk and hook up? Yeah. And he was like, you'd be like, I'm so shit-faced, I'm going home. And I'd be like, there's girls here, Bert. And you'd be like, yeah, I got to get back. And just You know, I got uh, – th- uh, this is – I'll tell you what. When I met you, I there was – I had gotten out of a relationship with this chick, Kristen, who was really cool but kind of fucked with my head a lot. And I left her and I was like, you know what? I, I'd been I'd been in a relationship I'd gone from relationship to relationship to relationship. And then when I got to New York, I was like, I'm going to be single. I'm going to see what it's like to be single and just hook up with chicks and see what that's like. Because I'd never done that. Even in college, I had a girlfriend for like five years. Met Kristen, dated her all the way up until I moved to New York. And then we broke up. And I was like, but I was always fond of like, like, um, I don't know. I don't know. I also have intimacy issues. So like, I hope you stuck up with Tammy at the fucking Boston. You remember her? I forget. I took one of the Boston Comedy Club waitresses home once. The German one? Might have been. What was the German one's name? Wasn't the German the tall? one? Yeah, remember the German chick that used to work at the, the door? fucking... No, the, she used to work at the bar. She was just... She'd smoke cigarettes and she was just... You don't understand. I went through a period, I guess you could call it sexual addiction, where uh, I hooked up with a lot of girls. And this is one of the things that I don't want to ever come out that I'd be afraid of my kids. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I... But it was... I do all my shows and then I would go, okay, now I have my next show, which was get laid. I got to get a girl. And every night I was working it. So there was a girl I took home one time. My trick used to be when I lived in Soho, I would take the girl home or we'd go out till four in the morning until the bars closed. Then I would go to the the deli across the street from my house. I'd say, do you want to go to club 199? And I'd say it's an after hours club and club so one and nine, that was your address. And then I would go get beers across the street and they'd go, Why are you getting beers? I'm like, it's I think, BYOB. I think I heard, I think I saw you do this move. And then That was your <laughs> The girl would go up to my place and they'd be like, This is your apartment. I'm like, have a beer. Club nine <laughs> so, one ninety nine. So one time the waitress from the comedy cellar or from the Boston, I said, Hey, we were drinking all night. I said, You want to go to this after hours club? She said, What is it? I said, It's called Club One Ninety Nine. She goes, Is that your apartment? And I go, yeah, how'd you know? She goes, because Tony Woods is always trying to take me to Woody's. <laughs> oh, fucking Tony. I miss Tony Woods. You know, it's funny. She had hooked up with Tony uh, and she hooked up with me, whoever wait, this girl was. Uh, blonde haired chick. I forget. 
And uh, I really wouldn't know for the life. Because I think I hooked up with her too. Well, no, because she told us there was only one oh. other comic that she had hooked up with. Rich Voss. No. Who? And she wouldn't tell us who it was. But, or she wouldn't tell me who it was. So somehow she and I go to an, a club or a bar and Tony somehow comes with us. Tony calls the other comic who it is. Who and is invites it? him. I think it was Red Grant. Red Grant? I think. Holy shit. And Tony invites him to come to the bar. <laughs> just so serious? all three of us. <laughs> just Tony being Tony because oh. he, he thinks it's funny. Fucking. <laughs> because I was hooking up with her at the time. So Tony thought it was funny that he was going to have the two other comics. That, that is fucking so great. Yeah. I could ask Tony about that. I got a Tony on the podcast oh, next the time best. I'm in D.C. The so best. crazy. I t- he, I, I hung out with him one time at D.C. This is like one of the greatest moments that it's like, why do people not video? Why do people not videotape beautiful moments and stand up and then videotape when you fucking lose your shit? Like, like Tony comes into the club, right? He's in the back. Leanne's there. My wife comes in the green room and he sits down and he starts hitting on her like joking. And like joking, he knows who she is. Yeah. She doesn't know who he is. Oh, okay. She doesn't know who he is. He knows who she is. I think he rolls in. I think it was back when Red was working at the place and the DC Improv. And he's like, they're like, oh, Bert's wife's in the green room. And he starts joking with her. Then he comes out. He's He introduces himself. He comes out. And in the back, he goes, hey, man. I'm doing a horrible Tony Woods, by the way. Bert, tell him. I don't know what how to do him. He's hey. like, hey, hey, shawty. Yeah. Tell that Tracy Morgan story. I go, what? And he goes, tell that Tracy Morgan story. I go, is that Tony? Tony was there that night. And I go, that Tony? Tony goes, yeah. I want to hear the Tracy Morgan story. And oh, I you're go, on stage. I'm on stage. I go, how about you come up here, and I'll tell my version, and you tell your version. Because we were both there the same night. He's like, all right. So he goes up. His recollection of it has me being a lot more culpable in like, getting fucked up, causing chaos, getting Tracy to take his shirt off. Like his recollection, I was just as fucked up as Tracy. <laughs> in in my recollection, I was stone sober the whole night. But like in his Remind recollection. Remind me to tell you my Tracy Morgan story. I think I've told you. Wait, what is it? Just tell I'll it. Tell, no, because I want to get to the Tony story. It's oh. something beautiful. So you tell Oh, me. no, no, no. So we tell the only thing we haven't, the only thing we remember accurately, ultimately, is the end where he whips his shirt and he goes, now that's how you get out of paying the check. That we both remember that identically. And I can tell you the direction. They walked off. He, like, so we remember the... you told the story on stage and then t- Tony told I would the story. start, I'd go, uh, I was working the door at the Boston Comedy Club. And then Tony would just pick up. Bert, you still on the party with the black comics. Yeah. And I was like, I did. Do you want to tell him why? He's like, nope. And you better not either. <laughs> and so then, so it was really, it was like one of the fucking greatest moments. And then I was like, I was like, uh... I was like, and then one night, Tracy Morgan, he goes, now, I told you I got a friend coming by and grab me when he gets here. And I was like, oh, that's right. You did. You did. And he's like, and so I, and so Tracy Morgan, we both watched him. And then he goes, T-, and then Tracy, I, I remember saying me and Tracy walked out by ourselves. Tony was like, no, I was with you. I was like, you were? He was like, yeah. But when I tell it, I just remember me and Tracy walking around the corner by ourselves to get out. And then Tony was like, I was with you. And I was like, really? He was like, Yes. Yes. 
And you hit it again after you knew what it was. And I was like, no, I didn't. And he was like, yes, you did. And I was like, no, I didn't. And he was like, I told you, you're going to be fucked up. And I was like, Tony. I go, Tony. He goes, I told you it's fucking with you because you're white. Or maybe not. Either way, you're going to be fucked up. And I was like, that's bullshit. And he goes, and then and it was like the whole record. He goes, like, we get to the club. And, and I'm like, and I, and I, and and I go, and, and, and Tracy's holding court. And he goes, Tracy's holding court. You were standing on the fucking bench. I was like, no, that didn't happen. But wait, tell me your t- uh, Tracy Morgan story. Tracy, um, no, but I got to tell you about Tony, how, w- like, the moments that you feel. And this is why Tony Woods is just the best. The, uh, uh, I went to do a show in New York. Hannibal Burris has this really hot show in the Knitting Factory. I, in Hannibal Brooklyn. Burris is funny as fucking and, shit. And I went to do Hannibal's show. And I text him. I said, hey, I'm in town. Can I do this shit? Yeah, come by. So I come by, and the show's killing. It's like standing room only, and everybody's killing. But I'm noticing it's going really long. And I just got that feeling, that bad yeah. feeling of, like, this can't go well for me. Like, I'm just – I'm going to bomb because I'm going up too late in the show. Yeah. And people are – it's just a bad – so he goes, I got two more than you. I go, fucking Hannibal. I go, I'm going to bomb so bad. Like, it, yeah. you can't – you can't do well at this time. You know, like, it's impossible to do well. Yeah. So the next thing I know, I see Tony. I'm like, Tony, we hadn't seen each other in a while. Oh, Tony, blah, blah, blah. And I go, you going on? He goes, yeah, I'm going to go on after you, dog. And I was like, Tony, you're fucking, I'm going to, bo- it's going to be so bad by the time I go on. Because we're now like three hours into the show. Yeah. And I go, and Hannibal, I go, Hannibal, this is going to suck. And he goes, no, it'll be fine. Hannibal comes over to me like two comics later and he goes, it's going to be bad. <laughs> like he goes, yeah. it's going to be bad. So I bomb. And even though they said it's going to be bad, I said it was going to be bad. There's still that feeling of like, I'm I, such I, a yeah. loser. I'm such a piece yeah. of shit. I should have figured out how. But I was like, I didn't know how, how to work this room, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, Tony's going on next, and I just want to get the fuck out of there because I know Tony's going to kill it. Destroy it. And sure enough, he I, saw wants that. I saw Hannibal the next night. I go, Tony killed it, didn't he? He goes, destroyed the room. He, I saw him succeed in places where I was like, he, he was, the way he thought of things was so different because he'd hear something kind of or read something in a book, and then he'd make it his own. I remember one night we were. So he taught fun. me how he does it. He's he's told me some tips and stuff about like, he said never follow like energy with like energy. I used to follow Greer sometimes and try Greer to. Like, Greer is a monster. Yeah, and I would. Whatever I, happened to Greer? Is he I, still doing stand up? Yeah, yeah. I just worked with him a lot in New York. He's so fucking funny. Tony would go stop trying to do what Greer does right after Greer does it. He said change the energy, he, and he said watch me. And he went up on stage after Greer. I saw Greer. Smash a room like you've never seen. Greer for the for those Greer Barnes is 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 an amazing. Literally, moment. I would just say maybe maybe I've seen two people in my life where I've seen three people in my life live that I went. What I'm witnessing right there is just natural comedic natural, talent. Natural, natural. Dave Chappelle, Mike talent. Epps, and Greer Barnes. Just, and to- I'll put Tony in there too. Just unbelievable talent and uh, Greer. It was he was high energy during the show. It was a packed room. He just smoked the room, and he but was it's, doing it's, impressions. It's the most confident, and, calm, high energy you've ever seen. Like and to- it's and they brought Tony up, and I thought Tony's no one can follow this. No one can follow this. And Tony took the mic stand or took the mic stand, took the mic out. 
took the stool, moved it to like three different places Fucking on the stage. One minute of silence. Di- minute of silence. Didn't say anything. And the crowd just, ca- it's like calming a dog, putting your hand it's on it. Literally, it, it is that Crocodile Dundee move where he does it to the oxen. And you, I remember watching him for one minute not say a fucking word. And then he was like, his first joke was, uh, the first thing he said to them was, uh, would you think I'm going to start talking right away? Yeah, he he kind of did the same thing. He said, he "Black sat people down, get to yeah, black people get to work. You go goes, in, you he, start working, and just start working." He goes, "Hey, everybody!" Hey, and everybody. he goes, "Now I don't want you to think I'm going to be doing any of that jump up and down and flip around like you just saw Greer <laughs> doing." He goes, "I'm too lazy for that." Yeah. And the crowd just fucking went he, right to him. He did when he did, I saw him do it one time. He follow, I forget who he followed, but it was someone like DC Benny, someone real high energy that murdered on like a Saturday night. And he took one minute of silence, and then he was like, "I remember him saying this, and it, it was like just so perfect." He was like, "He was like, what? Did you expect me to start working right away? When you go to work, do you just get at your desk <laughs> and start working, or do you walk into the break room, say hi to Bray Brenda? How you doing? All right. Oh, there's cake today. Have a piece of cake. Make saw, a coffee. I've seen him do that. And I was like, I was like, it was fucking genius. Because yeah. then he went on this whole riff. I was in Africa the other. Let me start that over. I was smoking a joint, yeah. watching a show yeah. about Africa. He was so good. He's, he's, he's got he's is. got one of my favorite my favorite. We were talking about uh, regret jokes where you regret it. He made a joke. He used to have a joke. It was a long time ago, but on Def Jam, he did it about uh, special needs kids. And he, but this was back when you didn't call them special needs kids. I th- and I forget what it, I forget what the joke was. I almost I, I take this back. I kind of remember what the joke was. It was about a school bus and some the short bus and his son. And I forget I forget the joke. But point is, he tells it and it like hit, kills. And he's touring the country, doing like shows. And he's at an airport one time, feeling his oats. He's fucking, he's really starting to make a name for himself. And Howie Long comes up to him. Howie Long. And he sees Howie Long make eye contact with him, recognize him, and start walking over. And this is when Howie Long, I think, was playing for the Raiders or had just started doing television. And walks up, and Tony Woods is in line. And they're like, everyone behind, everyone's looking like, oh shit, it's Howie Long, it's Howie Long. Tony's looking at the guy behind him like, I know it's Howie Long. And the guy comes right up to Tony Woods, gets in his face, and goes, wouldn't be so funny if it was your son. And walked away. Oh. And Tony was crushed. But the best part of that story is the guy behind. Tony goes, you know Howie Long? <laughs> Tony goes, no, I don't know fucking Howie Long. He just fucking came up and destroyed. No. Just destroyed three years of my life. <laughs> All right. Jay I got to da- go. I'm supposed to J- pick my fucking J- kid up. Oh, yeah. Jay Davis has the funniest story like that. Really? Jay Davis- I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Joking, Jay. Jay Davis. Brought, Jay, he should do that on stage. Jay Davis brought. <laughs> Jay Davis brought his cousin on the bus with like on Dane's tour when they were on Torgasm, and I think she had like a lazy eye or something. And uh, really Jay was like afraid Jay everyone was going to make fun of her or something, and uh, so she left the bus or something. Or her friend, her cousin brought her. Her friend on. She had like a lazy eye or something. She gets off the bus and Jay starts doing an impression of her for everyone else. And Jay was having a hard time on that torgasm. Like they were all picking on him and everything. But he's killing doing this impression of the girl. And so oh. 
So cut to Dane calls me goes, Oh, this episode's it's coming out. The brand new it's so funny. And that part of you doing the impression oh, of the girl's sh- and Jay gets a phone call from or an email or something of MySpace from the girl going, I saw Torgasm's I can't wait to see the episode. Oh my god. He's like the this only be bad. the only good laugh he gets is when he's making fun of the cross-eyed girl, and she's writing to him, "God, I can't wait to see the episode." And Jay's like, "Oh, this is gonna be bad." Jay was like, "You gotta cut it. You gotta, you gotta, cut, it. You gotta cut it out, man. I'd rather just be made fun of. Just give me fucking thirteen episodes of me looking like a fucking ass <laughs> instead of me killing because of this one chick." Oh, that's so fucking funny. Yeah, uh, the Tracy Morgan, real short. Uh, I just went out with him one night. Because uh, everybody He came up to me I'd only been doing comedy Like a year And he's like Hey man you funny And he was on Saturday Night Live I'm like oh my god This guy from SNL yeah. And he took me out And I think we had a gun Pulled on us uh, Like a guy showed us his gun In a bar called Nell's And uh, That I used to go to With Chappelle But Tracy was like I was all excited That I was hanging out With Tracy Morgan But I got to this bar And uh, he was like Hitting on some girl And some guy was getting mad And he like Told He was like gonna fight us And I went and I, I was the only white guy in there, so I just left Tracy Morgan. And I just left them there and went home. Like, I was so scared. I went home. And every other comic's like, I fucking told you, don't go out with him. Don't go out with him. He'll get you in trouble. There's, I, you know what's so funny is I hope, I, I, I hope two things. I hope, number one, Tracy Morgan re- realizes what a fascinating fucking person he is. I don't think everyone's got a great, every, Ryan Sickler's got a great one. Like, everyone's got a great one. Um, Tony Woods fucking texted me from australia he's like hey man some australian comics doing our tracy morgan story i was like are you serious he goes yeah uh ari shafir was working with a guy on the road i forget the guy's name ari knows it but Ari was too scared to call him out he was doing the tracy morgan story it's a thing it's like it's like billy crystal's uh red 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 grant story not red grant uh red fox story that bum 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 you know that no you never heard that? No, but I got to piss, and you got to go pick up your kid. Well, the, real quick, the story is Billy Crystal was opening for Red Fox, and he, and they said, "Hey, Red Fox is running late." You never heard this? Mm-mm. Red Fox is running late. Every comic says this happened to them, but it it oh, really happened to Billy Crystal. Um, Red Fox is running late. Can you do a little extra time? He's like, "Yeah, sure." It's Vegas. It's one of his first big, 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 big gigs, and he's opening for Red Fox, and it's packed. Everyone's in suits. Billy Crystal goes out and does ten minutes. Looks over the side of the stage. You're like, stretch. Does like another ten minutes. Looks to the side of the stage. Stretch. At like. 45 minutes, the audience is getting a little uh, uncomfortable, and they looks at the guy, and the guy's shaking his head. I have no idea where Red Grant is. So, Red right, Fox, Red Fox. Red Fox. So, people start leaving, pouring out. Billy, Fo- Billy Crystal's on stage for like an hour and a half before Red Fox shows up, and by that time, there's only like 30 people in the audience. So, he looks over and he sees Red Fox, and he's like, oh, looks at the band underneath, and he goes, all right, guys, the per- people we've all paid money to come see, the, the, the star of the hit show, the, you know, what's I'm on, on ABC. Uh, you know him, you love him, ladies and gentlemen, Red Fox, and the band just bum 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 and Red Fox comes out bum 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 and Red Fox grabs the mic, looks at the audience, goes, man, fuck this, I'm not performing for no 15 people, puts the mic back in the mic stand, the band looks and goes bum 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 and Red Fox walks off. It's like the greatest story ever, but it happened to Billy Crystal, and everyone everyone says it happens to them. That's the English story about the uh, happy birthday. No, you know that happened. No, girls in the audience wearing uh, 
or there's a comic on stage. He's doing a whole bunch of midget jokes. And it happened at the comedy store. I think I, I, I've told the – I know exactly who it was. I can't remember right now who the comic is. But uh, but I do know who it is, and I've probably said it on other podcasts. But every comic said it's them. He's on stage. He's doing midget jokes. And all of a sudden, some girl like starts booing and yelling. She stands up. She's a midget. And she storms out of the club. And everybody, it's a real tight – the comedy store in England is really tight, small room. But – I've been packs there. a lot of people. Oh, so packs! It's one of the great, if, if one, one of the greatest clubs. The best. If you see one person leave, you know the whole room's going to see it. Yeah. She goes on the stairs, starts crying under the light. You can still see her on the light. She's crying. He stops the show. He apologizes. Go over and says he's sorry. He's like, I'm. I didn't know you were there. Blah blah blah. She's wearing angel wings. She's like, it was my birthday. You know, she's all dressed up for her birthday, like wearing some costume. She's like, it was my birthday. I just wanted to make people. Or she's like, I just wanted to have fun. And I come out, and all you do is ridicule little people and blah blah blah. You hurt my feelings. He's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So he brings her back in. He's like, I'm, I apologize. And he tells the audience, he's like, I'm really sorry. He's like, we're we're gonna sing Happy Birthday now. It's our birthday. I fucked up. So he gets the whole crowd to sing happy birthday for her to make her feel better. But they get to the point where they say her name and the audience doesn't know her name. So the entire audience of the comedy store goes, happy birthday, dear dwarf. <laughs> Who's the British comic? Who's the British comic? British comics are the fucking greatest. With There's two British comic stories that everyone would tell and wrote. Like my two favorite stories. The I'm Spartacus. What? What's that? Yeah. Kirk Douglas's son used to do comedy. Uh, I forget the one that died, not Mike Douglas. The other, he had a brother that died, and he was in New York for a while. He was the shittiest comic ever, and he couldn't get any work in America, so he went over to England. and He was working on the circuit over there, but he sucked. And one night, he's bombing at one of the comedy clubs, and he goes, he starts fighting with the audience. He goes, "Do you know who I am? Do you even know who I am?" And the audience says, "Who cares? You're shite, mate. You're shite." And he goes. I'm Kirk Douglas's son. And some guy in the back goes, I'm Kirk Douglas's son. And the other guy goes, I'm Kirk Douglas's son. And then the whole room starts to, I'm, I'm Kirk, Kirk Douglas. Douglas's like son. the smartest yeah. thing. Wait, no, the, there's two stories I love. One was, this is one guy's joke. I don't know who the guy is. If you guys can find this guy and I, just tell him I love this joke. Andre Vincent told it to me. Was uh, the guy who said, um, I want to go see... Uh, I went to go see uh, Schindler's List. I walked in like 15 minutes late. What did the Jews do to Hitler? <laughs> I don't know who that guy is. That's a funny bit. But that guy, and then I think he's the same guy. Apparently, there's this guy <laughs> in England who's obsessed with stand-up. Like, he was dating this girl, and he was, and she was like, I've got to end this relationship. Like, uh, I, I gotta fucking wish I had Andre Vincent's number. He'd know exactly who it is. Um, Brett Vincent would know, too. Yeah. The... Uh, he's obsessed with him. She's like, listen, I can't. I gotta end this. Have you seen Brett Vincent's business card? No. It it all it has is it says uh, it's the Google page with a box and yeah. it has his name. <laughs> like, like, just Google, just Google me. So so uh, Andre and Brett Vincent are two of the most fascinating fucking yeah. guys. They've had a really interesting life. I got to get one of them. I got to go over to England and do a bunch of podcasts over there. Or well, aren't get you the, over there? And do, uh, not, I go through London, but I don't stop. So wait. So the story is the guy goes, he's obsessed with stand-up. He's like just one of the guys that, like Norton, like just yeah. cannot. It's it's his passion, and it's, it's also his obsession. And she, he's dating this girl, and she's like, I, this relationship needs this to end. Light. Or the late, uh, yeah, yeah. Adam goes, Bloom. Adam Bloom's the comic. Adam Bloom. Yep. Adam Bloom. You're one of the funniest fucking guys. Oh, he is. He's a brilliant comic. Adam Bloom. If anyone's reaching out to Adam Bloom, tell him that I think this is my 
was one of this made me laugh so fucking hard. So he says, "Am I gonna fuck this up? Should you tell it?" Uh I probably would have trouble telling it too. So he says, she, "She says we, we got to end this relationship. All we ever do is talk about stand up." And he says, oh, "Give me one chance. Let's go out on a date. I swear to God, I swear to God, I'll be good." She goes, "She goes, you can't do it." And he goes, "I can." She goes, "I'll tell you what." If you can give me 20 minutes of conversation without talking about stand-up, then, then we'll be okay. And he goes, okay, but can you give me a light at five? <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that. Yeah. I fucked your story up, Adam Bloom. No, that's, that's, but pretty, hopefully, much that's like, pretty much it. He's the only it. reason when you're a comic and you tell other comic stories to other comics or for that entertainment is so that people know how great that fucking he, person he is. He had a joke that I used to love about I would his, never. His, his niece named Olivia. He's my niece and Olivia, she's like four or two or something, I forget. And he goes, the cutest thing in the world. He goes, uh, my, my, uh, my sister will take her and she'll be like, Olivia, do you love mommy? And he goes, every night before she goes, Olivia, do you love mommy? And she goes, yes. She goes, Olivia, do you love daddy? And she goes, yes. And he goes, so the other day, he goes, I was babysitting Olivia. And he goes, and we were having the time of our lives, which doesn't say much for Olivia. <laughs> or he goes, which doesn't say much for me because Olivia's too. Yeah. And he goes, and I'm holding her, and I'm about to take her to bed, and I thought, hmm, I'm going to try it. So I go, Olivia, do you love your Uncle Adam? And she looks at me, and she goes, yes. And he was like, it was so cute. He goes, I've never seen anything so adorable in my life. He goes, but then I thought, wait a minute. I'm going to test her. And I went, Olivia, do you love Adolf Hitler? <laughs> and she went, yes. And I was like, and he goes, and it hurts so bad until I took her up to her room and put her in her crib and looked around and she had Adolf Hitler posters on there. <laughs> oh, I fucking, I, I, that's the only thing that you're lucky in that you get to work with these different dudes. Because, I mean, we have great comics here in the States, but when you, the sense of humor is so different over yeah. there that, that you get great, yeah. and, it's, and it's a small, so I think it's a smaller community. So uh, Yeah, it, it is small, but they're all over the world. They get everywhere. Those guys move. They, they, they fucking all, they're like, oh, have you done the t- gig in Dubai? Yeah, yeah, t- t- oh, it's good. You hung out with the prince. I, when I first moved there and I'd get on, I'd go, I got my schedule and I was like, Jersey, what? Where's Jersey? Am I going to New Jersey? Why Jersey? And, and he, he's like, do the gig in Bournemouth and then go to the airport or go to Southampton, then go to the airport. I'm like, airport, where am I? England, we drive everywhere, take train, where, where? He's like, you're going over to the Channel Islands off of France. And I'm like, huh? And what? then, then I saw Cape Jersey's Town. named off of a place of France. Y- yeah. It, Jersey, the island, Jersey and Guernsey. So, um, so they're isles off of France, but they're Shut English. The fuck? How am I 41? And I just learned that. Yeah. I, but then they'd be like, like literally I saw Dubai on my schedule and I'm like, where's Dubai? Is that because I had just gone to South Africa and they're like, you're going to the middle. I'm like, I'm going to the middle. Like just on my weekend yeah. schedule. I was like, Whoa. Yeah, I got to prepare. You know, oh, like those gotta- guys. Yeah, those guys. Uh, Andre Vincent tells a great story about getting on a fucking plane and there was a guy brought his hawk. Brought his, he goes, he goes to bird of prey. The guy's like a fucking prince. He got on the plane with his hawk in his hand. He goes, hawk sitting in first class. I'm in coach. <laughs> Uh, there's so I've seen so many ama- and gotten to. That's been one of the greatest things. Is like if I think about all the great. Um, there's amazing American comics, but so many in like Tommy Tiernan and in, in Ireland. I know Tommy oh Tiernan. my god, just watch his act. He's so fucking good. I and I Steve Hughes Tiernan. and 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 uh, Reg D Hunter and um, there's and then so there's some many. real shit ones. Yeah, Glenn Wool is fucking amazing. Oh, he's really good. He's really good. Amazing. 
He's really good. Uh, there's so many good ones. So many all over the all over the. Uh, just guys, just well, kill me. guys. If your name was mentioned in this podcast and you're in LA, as Brendan Byrne, who always here and he's yeah. like, I'm in town this podcast yeah. and I'm always out of town. <laughs> and then he texts me the other day. He goes, You're in the Alps. I'm coming to the Alps on Thursday. I was like, I'm leaving on fucking Wednesday. I'm fighting in town. Good podcast with Mick Foley. It's a fucking podcast. Nah. I got a hearing aid now, so I, I won't yell. Brendan, he's got a hearing aid yeah, now? Yeah, he says, he says that fixed his yelling. He, um, he's fucked him to death! <laughs> to death! I could fuck a guy into a malaise, maybe! Yeah. Brendan uh, Byrne made me laugh so fucking hard. Guys, Google these people. They're all so fucking hilarious. Wait, what was I going to say about Brendan Byrne? Brendan Byrne came to town Easter-like. I want to say Easter-like fucking six years ago. And he was like, and he, I go, hey, we're going to do Easter out at the park. Why don't you come by? He was like, great. He's like, I'm weird with my son. Why don't, why don't we all uh, hang out? And then and I was like, okay, we're all hanging out. And he goes, I go, what are you doing tonight? He goes, I got a show. I said, what are you doing with your son? And he goes, uh, I, don't, I guess he's just going to come to the show. I go, dude, let him hang out at my house. He's like, really? I go, yeah, we have fucking kids. We'll hang out at my house. We'll hang, we can play video games. My house is set up for a little boy. I'm fucking a big boy. Yeah. So we get there and he, his son just rode my skateboard all day. I hung out. We rode skateboards. <laughs> and fucking, and then Brendan did his show. He came back. His son's playing Xbox 360. His son's like, this place is awesome, Dad. We need to hang out with Bert more often. Yeah, Brendan, those, that's a, it's a, um, that's the fucking, and the best part is I get to drop your name and everyone fucking knows you over there. I bonded a lot more with those guys because we traveled to more fun locations. So you would do fun stuff. You, you did, uh, under, safari. So and- it's, it's not the mentality of American comics is that we go to a place and we just go to the movies maybe or hang out yeah. or do a podcast. You have a Those life guys, experience. We were in. We were in. Uh, America's way more commercial. They're all about life experience. It's yeah. a European way. I, I, I like we were talking earlier. The European and mentality is you live life. You don't work to make money to then go on vacations. You live your life and you. Andre Vincent, me, Alistair, Alistair Barry, Alistair Barry, and Alistair's chick who was hot as fucking shit. I hope you got her mm. pregnant. Alistair <laughs> Barry um, went. To, we were in South Africa. A bunch of us were, but uh, Alistair and Andre came to my room, and they're like, we're going to go up to the top of Table Mountain. You want to go? Yeah. I was like, no. <laughs> they're like, what? And I go, I'm going to fucking hang out in my room and sleep. And they're like, come on. You don't, you don't fucking come on the road just to, yeah. to fucking sleep. And I was like, I do. This is what comics do. We sleep. And they're like, no. Get up. Get some hiking boots on. We're going up to the top. Oh, you did the hike? We did the hike Holy up on the top shit. of Table I Mountain. I took the tram up that. Oh, no, no, no. We took the tram. We took the tram and then hiked around the oh, top of Table Mountain. These people do hike up, and I think a couple comics did it. Uh, no, I, we did not do that. And then and then we got to the top, and we came down, and then the next day, Alistair came to my room. He's like, you want to play tennis? I was like, no. What's what are you talking about? We're on the fucking yeah. road. Yeah. No. I want to fucking maybe go. And he goes, come on. We'll get a pint of beer. We'll watch some rugby or football or whatever the fuck they watch. Kick, kick the thing. And he goes, we'll play some tennis. And I was like, all right. And then Steve Hughes is like, we get some fried chicken. Go to find well, a gym because they don't have to hustle. Their work is all get, their agents and industry over there. Let this be a lesson to you. If you're industry, do your job over there. They all do their job. They don't expect you to do it. Yeah, they book you and have you all completely booked up. Yeah, Brett Vincent called me. He goes, "Hey, do you think we want to do Edinburgh? Maybe do a tour around here?" And I was like, "Oh, that's not gonna." In my head, I'm like, "Buddy, you're just gonna lose money." He's like, "No, I won't. I do this all the time." Yeah, and they so. You can go be live life and then be a performer and work on your craft. Yeah. Imagine that. And not have to Twitter and Facebook and promote. And everyone and- gets a TV show. 
You only get six episodes, but yeah. everyone gets the show. But it's all about the quality of it, not how much money am I going to make. Every year money. they go to Edinburgh, do their hour. They write a new hour every year, yeah. and it's more like a one-man show than it is, like yeah. per se, like stand-up. It's a really interesting life. I wouldn't mind doing Edinburgh. We should, like, I'm, we, I think I'm doing it this year. When I, is it? When is it? It's August. Is it too late to get into it? No, but you just talk to Brett because you want a good deal. I might cut to call Brett and tell it's him right what now. Do. You got to get a deal. Like I, I, I want to do a small. My, I always get my offer in Adelaide, and it's always a shit offer. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking reach out to Brett. Yeah. Hey Brett, if you're if someone just reach out to Brett and tell him I'd like to do. I don't know if I'm. Oh, I might be. I wonder if Bert Conker's going on over there. That would help you a lot. Oh, I'm gonna call him. A lot. All right, I'm gonna go, go pick up my kid. You gotta piss, Eddie. Thank you so much, Thanks man. For this has been me. a I'm fucking glad blast. I got you, and you gotta come do. I hope to God again. people listen to this. Um, no, uh, you get. A, I know you have a ton of listeners. I hope the, to God they're going. Uh, that yeah, it was great. I just got to listen to Eddie and Bert in a car talk to each other. Or that's I hope you. I hope that's what they. I hope they enjoyed it. Um, do you have anything to plug? I'm gonna put this. Uh, on a couple yeah, weeks. I'm. Um, couple weeks. Couple weeks. Six seventh. After that. February. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll be in Adelaide at the Adelaide Fringe Festival uh, for 29 nights. I'm doing 29 nights at the uh, Umbrella Revolution. And then I go to – right after that, I'm in Sydney at the uh, – I don't know where – oh, no. I'll be at the Melbourne Gala. And then I do the Mal- – I'm at the Forum Theater uh, for, looks like, 10 nights. No, 11, 12 nights. And then I go to Sydney. Uh, I'm at the Fuse Box. And then I'm at the Astor Theater in Perth. Fuck. God damn it. Well, I appreciate you coming by, Eddie. Thank you so much. All my tickets are at Eddie, eddieift.com. And his podcast is Talking Shit. It's bigger than mine, so you probably already listened to it. Oh, I don't know. Eh, I think so. We don't, we don't rank anymore, but that's because it's all new listeners. You know? Yeah. Fuck it. Subscribe, rate, review. I love you. Pre-order my book, Life of the Party. Pre-orders count awesome. so much, so much. Please pre-order it. Tell all your friends I love you with all my heart. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.